Hello, everyone, and welcome. How do you do? I hope you are all well. What is everybody? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. What's everybody been doing with their week? Okay, now, let me see. Uh, last week, we had... We had some chapters. Um, they were not quite as intense as the week prior, but... Um, they were still some big ones. There's a lot happening, you know. We are in, uh, we are in that deep, deep section uh, in the, um, I don't know, in the, in the third quarter of every book, uh, everyone in this series. And honestly, a, a lot of books have that same sort of structure to it, but that sharp uphill trend where it's just a lot happening at once. Um, the let's see, hold on. Uh, the chapters that we read last week were 24 and 25. Uh, the Wandmaker and Shell Cottage. The Wandmaker. Um, we began uh, at the uh, at the outskirts of Shell Cottage. Uh, a beloved character, a beloved friend, and very loyal supporter of Harry Potter has just died. Dobby has passed, and Harry spends some time uh, digging a grave, uh, just using a shovel, not using magic. Digging a grave for Dobby. Uh, his most loyal supporter. Um, it's an emotional scene. We've spent a lot of time sort of knowing that Dobby is there, knowing that Dobby would do just about anything for Mr. Harry Potter. <clears throat> and Harry reflects on all of the uh, all of the terror and death that has surrounded him over these last years. Um, and in a way, it scares him, but in a way, it also reinforces just how important it is to defeat Voldemort. Um, he puts up a gravestone, a headstone that says, Here lies Dobby, a free elf. Um, Luna says a few words over his body, and um, they say goodbye to Dobby. But there's no time to really rest. They have escaped from Malfoy Manor, which is where they were being held, um, with Ron and Hermione and Griphook the Goblin, um, who is a little bit baffled, honestly, uh, that Harry would save a goblin, that Harry would bury an elf. Uh, typically, it doesn't seem that wizards are... Um, uh, I don't know, that they, that they care enough to do these sorts of things, and Griphook is impressed by this, or at the very least, baffled. Um, it is... It's a tough decision that we don't understand until later who to talk to first. Griphook or Ollivander, who they also rescued from the Malfoy Manor. Um, Harry decides he's going to talk to Griphook first, and they have a discussion in which Harry floats this new plan that he's got for the group. Break into Gringotts. He has a deep suspicion. Not that Voldemort would ever have had any great love for the place like he loved Hogwarts, but that Voldemort would have looked at Gringotts Bank and having a vault as maybe the, the, the most public signifier of your status as a wizard that you could possibly have. And in that way, Harry realizes, you know what, between that and all of Bellatrix Lestrange's absolute terror that they had been inside her vault, he thinks there must be, there must be a, uh, a horcrux in there. So he floats this idea to, uh, to Griphook. What would it be like to try and break into Gringotts? He says, can't be done. Except he says it in a growly Australian voice, because that's the one I've gone with for these goblins so far. Um, 
Uh, he says it can't be done, but Harry presses him, and Griphook thinks, well, it's possible, but deeply, deeply unlikely. And in exchange for doing this, for helping you to do this, Harry Potter, I'm going to need something in return. And what he asks for is the Sword of Gryffindor, which Harry says, after some deliberation, yes. But he has secretly told Ron and Hermione, the plan is, I'll agree to give it to him, I just won't tell him when, because we definitely need this sword to help us to destroy Horcruxes once we have them in our in our clutches. Um, uh, and uh, then he goes and talks to Ollivander. He talks about the wand, the Elder Wand, uh, and this is when we realize that Harry has understood for a little while now there is a choice to make. Is he going to pursue the Hallows, or is he going to pursue the Horcruxes? Now, it, it looked like the answer was Hallows for a while there, but Harry decided against it when he decided to speak to Griphook first, because over the course of this scene, we realize Harry knows where the Elder Wand is. He has guessed, and then he uses Elder he uses uh, Ollivander's uh, information to confirm it. The Elder Wand has been traced through history. Um, it got lost for a little while, and then Gregorovich had it, and then it was stolen by Grindelwald, and then Dumbledore got it from Grindelwald by beating him in that duel. Which means that when Dumbledore died, it was buried with him. He sees that Voldemort has arrived at Dumbledore's tomb at the end of his conversation with Ollivander, and Ron, of course, is like, what, are you kidding? You've known where it is when you decided not to go for it? And Harry kind of reveals he thinks that the the right course of action for them next is to go after the Horcruxes. But in doing so, he has let, uh, he has let Voldemort get the Elder Wand. Um, so that is chapter 24, and then 25, Shell Cottage. Um, it is a lonely little spot, and uh, it is a good spot, then, for planning a heist. Um, with Griphook's help, they make some plans here. Um, it is very challenging, and over the course of time, um, uh, there is some suspicion, it seems, that Griphook might be picking up what they're, um, simply that they are not going to be entirely honest about their deal. Um, <clears throat> uh, this one, there's a lot that happens. They, they do a lot of discussion of how best to get into the vault. Um, there, there's a lot of discussion about how Harry, Ron, Hermione, and of course Griphook, um, don't spend a lot of time with, um, uh, Bill Weasley and Fleur Delacour, uh, I guess Fleur Weasley now, um, so they might be suspecting that Harry, Ron, Hermione are about to do something, but of course they can't tell anyone. Um, there is a, the sudden appearance of a friend as they are about to, uh, or maybe this is as they, I think this is as they are sending off, um, Ollivander to go live with, um, uh, one of the Weasley's aunts. There's a sudden appearance um, of an old friend. It is Remus Lupin with the news that his baby has been born and he has a son. They're naming him Ted after Dora's father. Um, and it's a good bit of good news, finally. Um, and it's an odd week because, of course, you know, we're used to finishing these weeks with some good news immediately followed by some bad news. And a couple of you pointed out, hey, this was... You know, uh, we got some good news that wasn't immediately sort of um, uh, tapered off by bad news. Tempered is what I meant, not tapered off. What am I saying? Um, uh, yeah, Lisa, good reminder. Uh, Harry is the godfather of this baby. Um, it seems like Lupin has sort of 
recovered from whatever animosity he felt toward Harry way back in their conversation when Harry kind of put him in his place um, for considering abandoning his child to be born. Um, and finally, we cap this chapter off with with not bad news, but just a little bit of a little bit of concern. Where Bill Weasley tells Harry it would be more dangerous to break into Gringotts than to go... Oh, excuse me. It would, sorry, sorry. Hold on. That's explicitly not it. It would be less dangerous to break into Gringotts than to renege on a promise to a goblin. So, of course, <laughs> we get the sense that Bill knows a bit more than he's letting on. Because Harry hasn't told him about any of these things, but he seems to have an idea about breaking into Gringotts. That's an odd pull. Um, although possible, but this whole conversation wouldn't have taken place except that it seems he's got some idea Harry has made a deal with uh, Griphook the Goblin. So, um, let's get into it, everybody. Chapter 26. Gringotts. Their plans were made. Their preparations complete. In the smallest bedroom, a single, long, coarse black hair, plucked from the sweater Hermione had been wearing at Malfoy Manor, lay curled in a small glass file on the mantelpiece. "'And you'll be using her actual wand,' said Harry, nodding toward the walnut wand. "'So I reckon you'll be pretty convincing.' Hermione looked frightened that the wand might sting or bite her as she picked it up. "'I hate this thing,' she said in a low voice. I really hate it. It feels all wrong. It doesn't work properly for me. It's like a bit of her. Harry could not help but remember how Hermione had dismissed his loathing of the Blackthorn Wand, insisting that he was imagining things when it did not work as well as his own, telling him to simply practice. He chose not to repeat her own advice back to her, however. The eve of their attempted assault on Gringotts felt like the wrong moment to antagonize her. It'll probably help you get into character, though, said Ron. Think about what that wand has done. But that's my point, said Hermione. This is the wand that tortured Neville's mum and dad, and who knows how many other people. This is the wand that killed Sirius. Harry had not thought of that. He looked down at the wand and was visited by a brutal urge to snap it, slice it in half with Gryffindor's sword, which was propped against the wall beside him. I miss my wand, Hermione said miserably. I wish Mr. Ollivander could have made me a new one. Mr. Ollivander had set Luna a new wand that morning. She was sat on the back lawn at the moment, rest, uh, testing its capabilities in the late afternoon sun. Dean, who had lost his wand to the Snatchers, was watching rather gloomily. Harry looked down at the Hawthorne wand that had once belonged to Draco Malfoy. He had been surprised, but pleased to discover it worked for him at least as well as Hermione's had done. Remembering what Ollivander had told them of the secret workings of wands, Harry thought he knew what Hermione's problem was. She had not won the wand's allegiance by taking it personally from Bellatrix. The door of the bedroom opened and Griphook entered. Harry reached instinctively for the hilt of the sword and drew it close to him, but regretted his action at once. He could tell that the goblin had noticed. Seeking to gloss over this sticky moment, he said, 
We've been checking the last-minute stuff, Griphook. We've told Bill and Floor that we're leaving tomorrow, and we've told them not to get up to see us off. They had been firm on this point, because Hermione would need to transform into Bellatrix before they left, and the less that Bill and Fleur knew or suspected about what they were about to do, the better. They had also explained that they would not be returning. As they had lost Perkins's old tent on the night that the Snatchers caught them, Bill had lent them another one. It was now packed inside the beaded bag, which, Harry was impressed to learn, Hermione had protected from the Snatchers by a simple expedient of stuffing it down her sock. Though he would miss Bill, Fleur, Luna, and Dean, not to mention the home comforts they had enjoyed over the past few weeks, Harry was looking forward to escaping the confinement of Shell Cottage. He was tired of trying to make sure that they were not overheard, tired of being shut in the tiny, dark bedroom. Most of all, he longed to be rid of Griphook. However, precisely how and when they were to part from the goblin without handing over Gryffindor's sword remained a question to which Harry had no answer. It had been impossible to decide how they were going to do it, because the goblin rarely left Harry, Ron, and Hermione alone together for more than five minutes at a time. "'You could give my mother lessons,' growled Ron, as the goblin's long fingers kept appearing around the edges of doors. With Bill's warning in mind, Harry could not help suspecting that Griphook was on the watch for possible skullduggery. Hermione disapproved so heartily of the planned double-cross that Harry had given up attempting to pick her brains on how best to do it. Ron, on the rare occasion that they had been able to snatch a few grip-hook-free moments, had come up with nothing better than, eh, We'll just have to wing it, mate. Harry slept badly that night. Lying awake in the early hours, he thought back to the way that he had felt on the night before they had infiltrated the Ministry of Magic and remembered a determination, almost excitement. Now he was experiencing jolts of anxiety, nagging doubts. He could not shake off the fear that it was all going to go wrong. He kept telling himself that their plan was good, that Griphook knew what they were facing, that they were well prepared for all of the difficulties they were likely to encounter, yet he still felt uneasy. Once or twice he heard Ron stir and was sure that he was awake, but they were sharing the sitting room with Dean, so Harry couldn't speak. It was a relief when six o'clock arrived and they could slip out of their sleeping bags, dress in the semi-darkness, then creep out into the garden, where they were to meet Hermione and Griphook. The dawn was chilly, but there was little wind now that it was May. Harry looked up at the stars, still glimmering palely in the dark sky, and listened to the sea washing backward and forward against the cliff. He was going to miss that sound. Small green shoots were forcing their way up through the red earth of Dobby's grave now. In a year's time, the mound would be covered in flowers. The white stone that bore the elf's name had already acquired a weathered look, he realized now that they could hardly have laid Dobby to rest in a more beautiful place. But Harry ached with sadness to think of leaving him behind. Looking down on the grave, he wondered yet again how the elf had known where to come to rescue them. His fingers moved absent-mindedly to the little pouch still strung around his neck, through which he could feel the jagged mirror fragment in which he had been sure he had seen Dumbledore's eye. 
Then the sound of a door opening made him look around. Bellatrix Lestrange was striding across the lawn toward them, accompanied by Griphook. As she walked, she was tucking the small beaded bag into the inside pocket of another set of old robes they had taken from Grimald Place. Though Harry knew perfectly well that it was really Hermione, he could not suppress a shiver of loathing. She was taller than he was, her long black hair rippling down her back, her heavily lidded eyes disdainful as they rested upon him. But when she spoke, he heard Hermione through Bellatrix's low voice. She tasted disgusting. Worse than Gertie Roots. Okay, Ron, come here so I can do you now. And this is going to be, shall we say, some gymnastics, trying to filter Hermione's voice through Bellatrix's voice, because they already sound pretty similar. Alright, but remember, I don't like the beard to be too long. Oh, for heaven's sake, it's not about looking handsome. It's not that, it, it gets in the way. But, uh, look, I do like my nose a bit shorter. Could you try and do it like you did last time? Hermione sighed and set to work, muttering under her breath as she transformed various aspects of Ron's appearance. He was to be given a completely fake identity, and they were trusting to the malevolent aura cast by Bellatrix to protect him. Meanwhile, Harry and Griphook were to be concealed under the invisibility cloak. Here, said Hermione. How does he look, Harry? It was just possible to discern Ron under his disguise, but only, Harry thought, because he knew him so well. Ron's hair was now long and wavy. He had a thick brown beard and mustache, no freckles, a short nose, broad, and heavy eyebrows. Well, he's not my type, but he'll do, said Harry. Shall we go, then? All three of them glanced back at Shell Cottage, lying dark and silent under the fading stars, then turned and began to walk toward the point just beyond the boundary wall where the Fidelius charm stopped working and they would be able to disapparate. Once past the gate, Griphook spoke. I should climb up now. Harry Potter, I think. Harry bent down and the goblin clambered onto his back, his hands linked in front of Harry's throat. He was not heavy, but Harry disliked the feeling of the goblin and the surprising strength with which he clung on. Hermione pulled the invisibility cloak out of the beaded bag and threw it over them both. Perfect, she said, bending down to check Harry's feet. I can't see a thing. Let's go. Harry turned on the spot, with Griphook on his shoulders, concentrating with all of his might on the leaky cauldron, the inn that was the entrance to Diagon Alley. The goblin clung even tighter as they moved through the compressing darkness, and seconds later Harry's feet found pavement, and he opened his eyes on Charing Cross Road. Muggles bustled past, wearing hangdog expressions of early morning, quite unconscious of the little inn's existence. The bar of the leaky cauldron was nearly deserted. Tom, the stooped and toothless landlord, was polishing glasses behind the bar counter. A couple of warlocks, having a muttered conversation in the far corner, glanced at Hermione and drew back into the shadows. Madam Lestrange, murmured Tom, and as Hermione passed, he inclined his head subserviently. Good morning, 
said Hermione, and as Harry crept past, still carrying Griphook piggyback under the cloak, he saw Tom look surprised. Too polite, Harry whispered in Hermione's ear as they passed out of the tiny inn into the backyard. You need to treat people like they're scum. Okay, okay. Hermione drew out Bellatrix's wand and tapped at a brick on the nondescript wall in front of them. At once, the bricks began to whirl and spin. A hole appeared in the middle of them, which grew wider and wider, finally forming an archway onto the narrow, cobbled street that was Diagon Alley. It was quiet, barely time for the shops to open, and there were hardly any shoppers about. The crooked, cobbled street was much altered now from the bustling place Harry had visited before his first term at Hogwarts so many years before. More shops than ever were boarded up, though several new establishments dedicated to the dark arts had been created since his last visit. Harry's own face glared down at him from posters plastered over the many windows, always captioned with the words, Undesirable Number One. A number of ragged people sat huddled in doorways. He heard them moaning to the few passers-by, pleading for gold, insisting that they really were wizards. One man had a bloody bandage over his eye. As they set off down the street, the beggars glimpsed Hermione. They seemed to melt away before her, drawing hoods over their faces and fleeing as fast as they could. Hermione looked after them curiously, until the man with the bloodied bandage came staggering right across her path. "'My children!' he bellowed, pointing at her. His voice was cracked, high-pitched. He sounded distraught. "'Where are my children? What has he done with them? You know! You know!' "'I... I really?' stammered Hermione. The man lunged at her, reaching for her throat. Then, with a bang and a burst of red light, he was thrown backward onto the ground, unconscious. Ron stood there, his wand still outstretched and a look of shock visible behind his beard. Faces appeared at the windows on either side of the street, where a little knot of prosperous-looking passers-by gathered their robes about them and broke into gentle trots, keen to vacate the scene. Their entrance into Diagon Alley could hardly have been more conspicuous. For a moment, Harry wondered whether it might not be better to leave now and try to think of a different plan. Before they could move or consult one another, however, they heard a cry from behind them. Why, Madame Lestrange! Harry whirled around and Griphook tightened his hold around Harry's neck. A tall, thin wizard with a crown of bushy, gray hair and a long, sharp nose was striding toward them. It's Travers hissed the goblin into Harry's ear, but at that moment Harry could not think of who Travers was. Hermione had drawn herself up to her fullest height and said with as much contempt as she could muster, And what do you want? Travers stopped in his tracks, clearly affronted. He's another Death Eater, breathed Griphook, and Harry sidled along to repeat the information into Hermione's ear. I merely sought to greet you, said Travers coolly, but if my presence is not welcome... Harry recognized his voice now. Travers was one of the Death Eaters who had been summoned to Xenophilius's house. No, no, not at all, Travers, said Hermione quickly, trying to cover up her mistake. How are you? 
Well, I confess I am surprised to see you out and about, Bellatrix. Really? Why? asked Hermione. Well, Travis coughed, I <coughs> heard that the inhabitants of Malfoy Manor were confined to the house after their uh, escape. Harry willed Hermione to keep her head. If this was true and Bellatrix was not supposed to be out in public... The Dark Lord forgives those who have served him most faithfully in the past, said Hermione in a magnificent imitation of Bellatrix's most contemptuous manner. Perhaps your credit is not as good with him as mine, Travers. Though the Death Eater looked offended, he also seemed less suspicious. He glanced down at the man Ron had just stunned. How did it offend you? It doesn't matter. It won't do it again, said Hermione coolly. Some of the wandless can be so troublesome, said Travers. Although they do nothing but beg, I have no objection, but one of them actually asked me to plead her case at the ministry last week. I am a witch, sir. I'm a witch. Let me prove it to you, he said in a squeaky impersonation, as if I was going to give her my wand. But whose wand? said Travers curiously. Are you using at the moment, Bellatrix? I heard that your own was... I have my wand right here, said Hermione coldly, holding up Bellatrix's wand. I don't know what rumors you've been listening to. You seem sadly misinformed. Travers seemed a little taken aback at this, and he turned instead to Ron. Who is your friend? I don't recognize him. This is Dragomir Despard, said Hermione. They decided that a fictional foreigner was the safest cover for Ron to assume. He speaks very little English, but he is in sympathy with the Dark Lord's aims. He traveled here from Transylvania to see our new regime. Indeed. How do you do, Dragomir? Oh, you, said Ron, holding out his hand. Travis extended two fingers and shook Ron's hand as though frightened of dirtying himself. So what brings you and your sympathetic friend to Diagon Alley this week? asked Travers. I need to go to Gringotts, said Hermione. Alas, I also, said Travers. Gold, filthy gold, we cannot live without it, yet I confess I deplore the necessity of consorting with our long-fingered friends. Harry felt Griphook's closed hands tighten momentarily around his neck. "'Shall we?' said Travers, gesturing Hermione forward. Hermione had no choice but to fall in step behind him, and leading the way along the crooked, cobbled street toward the place where the snowy white Gringotts stood towering over the other little shops. Ron sloped along beside them, and Harry and Griphook followed. A watchful Death Eater was the very last thing they needed, and the worst of it was, with Travers marching at what he believed to be Bellatrix's side, there were no means for Harry to communicate with Hermione or Ron. All too soon, they arrived at the foot of the marble steps leading up to the great bronze doors. As Griphook had already warned them, the liveried goblins who usually flanked the entrance were replaced by two wizards, both of whom were clutching long, thin golden rods. Oh, property probes, sighed Travers theatrically. So crude, but effective, 
and he set off up the steps, nodding left and right to the wizards who raised the golden rods and passed them up and down his body. The probes, Harry knew, detected spells of concealment and hidden magical objects. Knowing that he had only seconds, Harry pointed Draco's wand at each of the guards in turn and muttered, Confundo! twice. Unnoticed by Travers, who was looking through the bronze doors at the inner hall, each of the guards gave a little start as the spells hit them. Hermione's long black hair rippled behind her as she climbed the steps. One moment, madam, said the guard, raising his probe. But you've just done that, said Hermione in Bellatrix's commanding, arrogant voice. Travers looked around, eyebrows raised. The guard was confused. He stared down at the thin golden probe and then at his companion, who said in a slightly dazed voice, Yeah, you you just checked him, Marius. Hermione swept forward, Ron by her side, Harry and Griphook trotting invisibly behind them. Harry glanced back as they crossed the threshold. The wizards were both scratching their heads. Two goblins stood before the inner doors, which were made of silver and carried the poem of warning, of dire retribution to potential thieves. Harry looked up at it, and all of a sudden a knife-sharp memory came to him. Standing on this very spot, the day that he had turned eleven, the most wonderful birthday of his life, and Hagrid standing beside him saying, Like I said, you'd be mad to try and rob it. Gringotts had seemed a place of wonder on that day the enchanted repository of a trove of gold he had never known he had possessed, and never for an instant could he have dreamed he would return to steal. But within seconds they were standing in the vast marble hall of the bank. The long counter was manned by goblins, sitting on high stools, serving the first customers of the day. Hermione, Ron, and Travers headed toward the old goblin who was examining a thick gold coin through his eyeglass, Hermione allowed Travers to step ahead of her on the pretext of explaining features of the hall to Ron. The goblin tossed the coin he was holding aside and said to nobody in particular, Leprechaun, and then greeted Travers, who passed over a tiny golden key which was examined and given back to him. Hermione stepped forward. Madame Lestrange, said the goblin, evidently startled. Dear me, how, how may I help you today? I wish to enter my vault, said Hermione. The old goblin seemed to recoil a little. Harry glanced around. Not only was Travers hanging back, watching, but several other goblins had looked up from their work to stare at Hermione. You have identification? asked the goblin. Identification? I have never been asked for identification before, said Hermione. They know, whispered Griphook in Harry's ear. They must have been warned that there might be an imposter. Your wand will do, madam, said the goblin. He held out a slightly trembling hand, and in a dreadful blast of realization, Harry knew that the goblin of Gringotts were aware that Bellatrix's wand had been stolen. Act now, act now, whispered Griphook in Harry's ear. The Imperious Curse. Harry raised the hawthorn wand beneath his cloak, pointed at the old goblin, and whispered, for the first time in his life, Imperio. 
A curious sensation shot down Harry's arm, a feeling of tingling warmth that seemed to flow from his mind, down the sinews and veins connecting him to the wand and the curse that it had just cast. The goblin took Bellatrix's wand, examined it closely, and then said, You've had a new wand made, Madame Lestrange. What? said Hermione. No, no, that's mine. A new wand? said Travers, approaching the counter again. Still, the goblins were all watching. How could you have had a new one done? Which wand maker did you use? Harry acted without thinking. Pointing his wand at Travers, he muttered, Imperio! Once more. Oh, yes, I see, said Travers, looking down at Bellatrix's wand. Yes, very handsome. And it's working well. I always think that wands require a little breaking in, don't you? Hermione looked utterly bewildered, but to Harry's enormous relief, she accepted the bizarre turn of events without comment. The old goblin behind the counter clapped his hands and a younger goblin appeared. "'I shall need the clankers,' he told the goblin, who dashed away and returned a moment later with a leather bag that seemed to be full of jangling metal, which he handed to his senior. "'Good, good.' "'So if you will follow me, Madame Lestrange,' said the old goblin, hopping off of his stool and vanishing from sight, "'I shall take you to your vault.' He appeared around the end of the counter, jogging happily toward them, the contents of the leather bag still jingling. Travers was now standing quite still, with his mouth hanging wide open. Ron was drawing attention to this odd phenomenon by regarding Travers with confusion. "'Wait, Bogrod!' Another goblin came scurrying around the counter. "'We have instructions,' he said with a bow to Hermione. "'Forgive me, madam, but there have been special orders regarding the vault of Lestrange.' He whispered urgently in Bogrod's ear, but the imperious goblin shook him off. "'I am well aware of the instructions. Madame Lestrange wishes to visit her vault. Very old family, old clients. This way, please.' And, still clanking, he hurried back toward one of the many doors leading off the hall. Harry looked back at Travers, who was still rooted to the spot, looking ignominiously vacant, and made the decision. With a flick of his wand, he made Travers come with them, walking meekly in their wake as they reached the door and passed into the rough stone passageway beyond, which was lit with flaming torches. All right, let's take a chatter break. I think we're due for one, don't you? <laughs> hold on, hold on. What's happening here? Upstairs, I can twitch. Uh, Brendan, thank you very much, uh, not only for joining us, but also for immediately uh, gifting out a sub. Thank you so much for that. Uh, welcome to Storytime MC. And for all the rest of you uh, who were uh, very generous at the beginning of our chapter today, I don't want to miss anybody but Tuna, Frizz, um, uh, let's see, uh, Ashmore, of course, a number of times, uh, Intikana with a big one, thank you all very, very much, um, <laughs> Iroh has just dropped in, mmm, ribs, uh, everyone, I hope you're enjoying so far, we're gonna take a moment here, uh, chatter breaks are where we spend just a tiny little bit, two or three minutes, uh, with a question that I want to pose to you all right now, um, there's been a lot of suspicion around this, right, there's been a lot of lead up to this moment, we've talked about how much, um, <laughs> uh, we've talked about how much, um, sorry, I'll get back to what made me laugh in a second. Um, 
how impenetrable it is uh, to try and uh, try and break into Gringotts. Since the very first book, there's been this discussion of Gringotts, the unbreakable bank, that sort of thing. Um, and yet, here we are. It's sort of all come down to this moment where Harry is revisiting some of these old places that he's been before, but in very different contexts. Um, uh, I'm curious what other places y'all can see in this. And once again, we'll try to keep this this discussion spoilers free. I'm curious what y'all see looking forward as being another place that Harry's going to return to that's going to be totally different, or he's going to have to return to it for a totally different reason. It's going to be transformed by his by his intentions, basically. Because a lot of how you experience a place is dependent on the circumstances for your going there. To, to Harry the first time, of course, it was, you know, discovering a whole new world of things. New, newness that included a lot of money in the bank. Um, and now he's here to basically cause sort of wizarding trouble. Um, it's for an excellent cause. It is for the right reasons. But it's filled with a lot of anxiety. There's not this thrill of newness. There's just this anxiety of encountering, uh, you know, this terrible, this, 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 immovable object that he's always heard about. And yes, we had a pretty important moment here uh, wherein Harry has just for the first time used an unforgivable curse. Uh, this is the, his first time using uh, Imperio, um, which is there are the three un unforgivable, oh boy, unforgivable curses, right? Uh, Avada Kedavra, um, <clears throat> um, Imperio, and uh, Crucio. Um, the Cruciatus Curse is designed to just call pain. The Imperious Curse is designed to make to force other people to do what you want them to. And the Avada Kedavra Curse is, of course, the Killing Curse. Um, now, sorry, uh, I just giggled a little bit because um, uh, I always like hearing uh, when people finally like make the jump. And yeah, Brandon had mentioned uh, I watched you over on YouTube and finally jumped over to Twitch. Um, I don't know. I just appreciate it. It makes me it makes me happy that people watch over there and say, you know what? I want to see this live. <laughs> I want to know what this is like live. Ashmore, absolutely. Yeah, Hermione's super good under pressure. Mumblemouth Reparo. I don't think that's going to work. If it if it worked, I should hope I would have discovered it by now. Honestly, this, this discussion about this Imperious Curse is almost more interesting to me, but keep it up, keep talking, and I shall, I shall, uh, I shall return to our chapter. We're in trouble, they suspect, said Harry as the door slammed closed behind them and he pulled off the invisibility cloak. Griphook jumped down from his shoulders. Neither Travers nor Bogrod showed the slightest surprise at the sudden appearance of Harry Potter in their midst. They're imperious, he added in response to Hermione and Ron's looks of confusion about Travers and Bogrod, who were both now standing there looking blank. I don't think I did it strong enough. I don't know... And another memory darted through his mind, of the real Bellatrix Lestrange shrieking at him when he had first tried to use an unforgivable curse. You need to mean it, Butter! What do we do? asked Ron. Shall we get out now, while we can? If we can, said Hermione, looking back toward the door to the main hall, beyond which, who knew what was happening? We got this far, I say we go on said Harry. Good, said Griphook. So, we need Bugrod to control the cart. I no longer have the authority. 
but there will not be room for the wizard. Harry pointed his wand at Travers. Imperio! The wizard turned and set off down the little dark track at a smart pace. What are you making him do? Hide, said Harry, as he pointed his wand at Bogrod, who whistled to summon a little cart that came trundling along the tracks out of the darkness. Harry was sure he could hear shouting behind them in the main hall as they all clambered into it, Bogrod in front with Griphook, Harry, Ron, and Hermione crammed together in the back. With a jerk, the cart moved off, gathering speed. They hurtled past Travers, who was wriggling into a crack in the wall. Then the cart began twisting and turning through the labyrinthian passages, sloping downward all the time. Harry could not hear anything over the rattling of the cart on the tracks. His hair flew behind him as they swerved between stalactites, flying farther and farther, deeper into the earth. But he kept glancing back. They might as well have left enormous footprints behind them, the more he thought about it, the more foolish it seemed to have disguised Hermione as Bellatrix, to have brought along Bellatrix's wand when the Death Eaters knew who had stolen it. They were deeper than Harry had ever penetrated within Gringotts. They took a hairpin turn at speed and saw ahead of them, with seconds to spare, a waterfall pounding over the track. Harry heard Griphook shout, No! But there was no breaking. They zoomed through it. Harry's mouth and eyes filled with water. He could not see or breathe. Then, with an awful lurch, the cart flipped over and they were all thrown out of it. Harry heard the cart smash into pieces against the passage wall, heard Hermione shriek something, and felt himself glide back toward the ground as though weightless, landing painlessly on the rocky passage floor. Cushioning, John, Hermione spluttered as Ron pulled her to her feet, but to Harry's horror... He saw she was no longer Bellatrix. Instead, she stood there in overlarge robes, sopping wet and completely herself. Ron was red-haired and beardless again. They were realizing it as they looked at each other, feeling their own faces. The face downfall, said Griphook, clambering to his feet and looking back at the deluge onto the tracks, which Harry knew now had been more than just water. It washes away all magical concealment, all enchantment, they know there are imposters in Gringotts. They've set the defenses against us. Harry saw Hermione checking that she still had the beaded bag and hurriedly thrust his own hand into his jacket to make sure that he had not lost the invisibility cloak. Then he turned to see Bogrod shaking his head in bewilderment. The thief's downfall seemed to have lifted the Imperious Curse. We need him, said Griphook. We cannot enter the vault without a Gringotts goblin. And we need the clankers. Imperio, said Harry again. His voice echoed through the stone passages. He felt again that sense of heady control that flowed from brain to wand. Bogrod submitted once more to his will, and his befuddled expression changed to one of polite indifference as Ron hurried to pick up the leather bag of metal tools. Harry, I think that I can hear people coming, said Hermione, and she pointed Bellatrix's wand at the waterfall and cried, Protego! They saw the shield charm break the flow of enchanted water as it flew up the passageway. Good thinking, said Harry. Lead the way, Griphook. How are we going to get out again? Ron asked as they hurried on foot into the darkness after the goblin, Bogrod panting in their wake like an old dog. Let's worry about that when we have to, said Harry. 
He was trying to listen. He thought that he could hear something clanking and moving around nearby. Griphook, how much farther? Not far, Harry Potter. Not far. And they turned around a corner and saw the thing for which Harry had been prepared, but still brought all of them to a halt. A gigantic dragon was tethered to the ground in front of them. Barring access to four or five of the deepest vaults in the place, the beast's scales had turned pale and flaky during its long incarceration under the ground. Its eyes were milky pink. Both rear legs bore heavy cuffs from which chains led to enormous pegs driven deep into the rocky floor. Its great spiked wings, folded close to its body, would have filled the chamber if spread to them. And when it turned its ugly head toward them, it roared with a noise that made the rock tremble, opened its mouth and spat a jet of fire that sent them running back up the passageway. It is partially blind, panted Griphook, but even more savage for that. However, we have got the means to control it. It has learned what to expect when the clankers come. Give them to me. Ron passed the bag to Griphook, and the goblin pulled out a number of small metal instruments that, when shaken, gave a loud ringing noise like miniature hammers and anvils. Griphook handed them out. Bogrod accepted his meekly. You know what to do, Griphook told Harry, Ron, and Hermione. It will expect pain when it hears the noise. It will retreat, and Bogrod must place his palm on the door of the vault. They advanced around the corner again, shaking the clankers, and the noise echoed off the rocky walls, grossly magnified, so that the insides of Harry's skull seemed to vibrate with the din. The dragon let out another hoarse roar, then retreated. Harry could see it trembling, and as they drew nearer, he saw the scars made by vicious slashes across its face, and guessed that it had been taught to fear hot swords when it heard the sound of the clankers. Make him press his hand to the door, Griphook urged Harry, who turned the wand again to Bogrod. The old goblin obeyed, pressing his palm to the wood, and the door of the vault melted away to reveal a cave-like opening, crammed from floor to ceiling with golden coins and goblets, silver armor, skins of strange creatures, some with long spines, others with drooping wings, potions in jeweled flasks, and a skull still wearing a crown. Search fast, said Harry as they all hurried inside. He had described Hufflepuff's cup to Ron and Hermione, but if it was the other unknown horcrux that resided in this vault, he did not know what it looked like. He barely had time to glance around, however, before there was a muffled clunk from behind them. The door had reappeared, sealing them inside the vault, and they were plunged into total darkness. No matter, Bogrod will be able to release us said Griphook, as Ron gave a little shout of surprise. Light your wands, can't ye see? And hurry, we've got very little time. Lumos! Harry shone his lit wand around the vault. Its beam fell upon glittering jewels. He saw the fake sword of Gryffindor lying on a high shelf amidst a jumble of chains. Ron and Hermione had lit their wands too, and were now examining the piles of objects surrounding them. Harry... Could this be? Ow! 
Hermione screamed in pain, and Harry turned his wand on her in time to see a jeweled goblet tumbling from her grip. But as it fell, it split. It became a shower of goblets, so that a second later, with a great clatter, the floor was covered in identical cups rolling in every direction, the original impossible to discern among them. It burned me, moaned Hermione, sucking her blistered fingers. They've added Gemino and flagranti curses, said Griphook. Everything you touch will burn and multiply, but the copies are worthless, and if you continue to handle the treasure, you will eventually be crushed to death by the weight of expanding gold. Okay, okay, don't touch anything, said Harry desperately. But even as he said it, Ron accidentally nudged one of the fallen goblets with his foot, and twenty more exploded into being while Ron hopped on the spot, part of his shoe burned away by contact with the hot metal. Stand still! Don't move! said Hermione, clutching at Ron. Just look around! said Harry. Remember, the cup's small and gold. It's got a badger engraved on it. Two handles. Otherwise, see if you can spot Ravenclaw's symbol anywhere, the eagle. They directed their wands into every nook and crevice, turning cautiously on the spot. It was impossible not to brush up against anything. Harry sent a great cascade of fake galleons onto the ground when they joined the goblets, and now there was scarcely room to place their feet, and the glowing gold blazed with heat so that the vault felt like a furnace. Harry's wand light passed over the shields and goblin-made helmets set on shelves rising to the ceiling. Higher and higher he raised the beam and suddenly found the object that made his heart skip and his hand tremble. It's there! It's up there! Ron and Hermione pointed their wands at it too, so that the little golden cup sparkled in a three-way spotlight. The cup that had belonged to Helga Hufflepuff, which had then passed into the possession of Hepzibah Smith, from whom it had been stolen by Tom Riddle. And how the hell are we going to get up there without touching anything? asked Ron. Accio cup! cried Hermione, who had evidently forgotten in her desperation what Griphook had told them during their planning sessions. No use! No use! snarled the goblin. Then what do we do? said Harry, glaring at the goblin. If you want the sword, Griphook, you'll have to help us a bit more than... Wait, can I touch it with the sword? Hermione, give it here! Hermione fumbled inside her robes, drew out the beaded bag rummaged for a few seconds, and then removing the shining sword. Harry seized it by its rubied hilt and touched the tip of the blade to a silver flagon nearby, which did not multiply. If I can just poke the sword through a handle, how am I going to get up there? The shelf on which the cup reposed was out of reach for any of them, even Ron, who was the tallest. The heat from the enchanted treasure rose in waves, and sweat ran down Harry's face and back as he struggled to think of another way to get up to the cup. Then he heard the dragon roar on the other side of the vault door and the sound of clanking growing louder and nearer. They were truly trapped now. There was no way out except through the door, and a horde of goblins seemed to be approaching from the other side. Harry looked at Ron and Hermione and saw terror in their eyes. Hermione, said Harry as the clanking grew louder. I've got to get up there. We've got to get rid of it. She raised her wand, 
pointed it at Harry and whispered, Levicopus! Hoisted into the air by his ankle, Harry hit a suit of armor and replicas burst out of it like white-hot bodies, filling the cramped space. With screams of pain, Ron, Hermione, and the two goblins were knocked aside into other objects which began to replicate. Half buried in a rising tide of red-hot treasure, they struggled and yelled as Harry thrust the sword through the handle of Hufflepuff's cup, hooking it onto the blade. Impervious! screeched Hermione in an attempt to protect herself, Ron, and the goblins from the burning metal. And the worst scream yet made Harry look down. Ron and Hermione were waist-deep in treasure, struggling to keep Bogrod from slipping beneath the rising tide, but Griphook had sunk out of sight and nothing but the tips of a few long fingers were left in view. Harry seized Griphook's fingers and pulled. The blistered goblin emerged by degrees, howling. Liberal corpus! yelled Harry, and with a crash he and Griphook landed on the surface of the swelling treasure, and the sword flew out of Harry's hand. Get it! Harry yelled, fighting the pain of the hot metal in his skin as Griphook clambered onto his shoulders again, determined to avoid the swelling mass of red-hot objects. Where's the sword? It had the cup on it! The clanking on the other side of the door was growing deafening. It was too late. There! It was Griphook who had seen it, and Griphook who lunged, and in that instant Harry knew that the goblin had never fully expected them to keep their word. One hand holding tightly to a fistful of Harry's hair to make sure he did not fall into the heaving sea of burning gold, Griphook seized the hilt of the sword and swung it high out of Harry's reach. The tiny golden cup, skewered by the handle on the sword's blade, was flung into the air. The goblin still astride him, Harry dived and caught it, and although he could feel it scalding his flesh, he did not relinquish it, even while countless Hufflepuff cups burst from his fist, raining down upon him. As the entrance of the vault opened up again, he found himself sliding uncontrollably on an expanding avalanche of fiery gold and silver that bore him, Ron, and Hermione out into the outer chamber. Hardly aware of the pain from the burns covering his body and still borne along on the swell of replicating treasure, Harry shoved the cup into his pocket and reached up to retrieve the sword, but Griphook was gone. Sliding from Harry's shoulders the moment he could, he had sprinted for cover amidst the surrounding goblins, brandishing the sword and crying, Thieves! Thieves! Help! Thieves! He vanished into the crowd, all of whom were holding daggers and accepted him without question. Slipping on the hot metal, Harry struggled to his feet and knew that the only way out was through them. Stupefy! He bellowed, and Ron and Hermione joined in. Jets of red light flew into the crowd of goblins. Some toppled over, but others advanced, and Harry saw several wizards running around the corner. The tethered goblin let out a roar and a gush of flame flew over the goblins. The wizards fled, doubled up back the way that they had come, and inspiration, or madness, came to Harry. Pointing his wand at the thick cuffs chaining the beast to the floor, he yelled, Relasio! The cuffs broke open with loud bangs. This way! Harry yelled, and still shooting stunning spells at the advancing goblins, he sprinted toward the blind dragon. Harry! doing? cried Hermione. Get up! Climb up! Come on! The dragon had not realized yet that it was free, 
Harry's foot found the crook of its hind leg and pulled himself up onto its back. The scales were as hard as steel. It did not even seem to feel him. He stretched out an arm. Hermione hoisted herself up. Ron climbed up behind them, and a second later the dragon became aware that it was untethered. With a roar, it reared. Harry dug in his knees, clutching as tightly as he could to the jagged scales as the wings opened, knocking the shrieking goblins aside like skittles, and it soared into the air. Harry, Ron, and Hermione, flat on its back, scraped against the ceiling as it dived toward the passage opening, while the pursuing goblins hurled daggers that glanced off of its flanks. We'll never get out! It's too big! Hermione screamed, but the dragon opened its mouth and belched flame again, blasting the tunnel whose floors and ceilings cracked and crumbled. By sheer force, the dragon clawed and fought its way through. Harry's eyes were shut tight against the heat and dust. Deafened by the crashing of rock and the dragon's roars, he could only cling to its back, expecting to be shaken off at any moment. Then he heard Hermione yelling, Defodio! She was helping the dragon enlarge the passageway, carving out the ceiling as it struggled upward through to fresher air, away from the shrieking and clanking goblins. Harry and Ron copied her, blasting the ceiling apart with more gouging spells. They passed the underground lake, and the great crawling, snarling beast seemed to sense freedom and space ahead of it, and behind them in the passage... It was full of the dragon's thrashing spiked tail and great lumps of rock, gigantic fractured stalactites, and the clanking of the goblins seemed to be growing more muffled. While ahead, the dragon's fire kept their progress clear. And then at last, by the combined force of their spells and the dragon's brute strength, they had blasted their way out of the passage into the marble hallway. Goblins and wizards shrieked and ran for cover, and finally the dragon had room to stretch its wings. Turning its horned head toward the cool air outside, it could smell beyond the entrance, and it took off. And with Harry, Ron, and Hermione still clinging to its back, it forced its way through the metal doors, leaving them buckled and hanging from their hinges as it staggered into Diagon Alley and launched itself into the sky. Well, you can't call that anything except exciting, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, that was an odd moment for the word Skittles to show up, I think. Uh, I had not been aware that th that was a sort of noun that existed beyond <laughs> beyond the uh, beyond the snack, beyond the, the, the candy. So, well, there you go. Uh, everyone, we are not finished for tonight. I'm going to warn you, our second chapter is much shorter than this first one was. This one was a longer than average chapter, and the next one's a shorter than average. So, stick with me, everybody. We're going to be back in... Uh, I'm going to take a quick five-minute break, but not before I ask you our next chatter break question. First of all, how y'all feeling? What do y'all think so far? It's been... I mean, this was an exciting chapter, right? <laughs> Daddy Trucker, it is good to see you here. I'm glad you made it. Uh, and you too, Heart Hook. Yeah, you said you might not be in here, but it's good to see you. I'm glad you're back. We we have just finished our first chapter for the night, so we're going to do one more. Um, if y'all don't want to stick around because you want to uh, you want to catch it spoiler-free, that is totally fine. You can find it here on Twitch. Um, it should be ready to watch as soon as we're done for tonight. 
I have power. Life is good. Yeah, what is all that about? <laughs> What's going on with this power? What's going on? What are you doing to Iro, Shotzi? <laughs> Turn on the AC. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. Heist went about as bad as it could without actually failing. Yeah, it's like it was like a great... Honestly, if y'all want to know how our Dungeon World sessions go, it's typically about like this. <laughs> like, it's just very... There's a lot of action. There's a lot of drama. And... Um, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, this one, they're, you know, they, they're trying to infiltrate a, a bank and they have to, you know, wrangle a goblin to do so. Um, in our Dungeon World session, our most recent one, they had to break up a fight between two, like, ancient, terrifying arena fighters uh, who have been brought back from the dead, in essence. Uh, and they go on a grappling hook chase throughout the city. Uh, and they just ended up in a... Um, uh, in a, an Arcanist Institute courtyard where they have to fight one of these things. Um, and uh, that's when the Revenant host shows up. So if you want to know what I'm talking about there, uh, it is our Dungeon World campaign. I, I think y'all will enjoy it. Um, but if you want to learn a little bit more about it, you can find the link for it right there. Um, now, our question about today. Hogwartsippy says, sorry, I had to go through that. <laughs> sorry, y'all had to go through that. Um, let's see. Yeah, what did I miss? Oh, the hurricane came through. I see. Yeah, I'm definitely glad you got the power back on. Like, man, it is a huge difference. Sort of what your what your space becomes when you don't have power. You know, typically it's like it's it's home, it's familiar, and it's still good to be home with power as opposed to somewhere else without. Excuse me, home without power than somewhere else without power. But still, like that is it, everything just becomes like a sort of a ticking clock like how long do i have before this thing is sort of no longer um useful to me uh like laundry as you mentioned but yeah i'm definitely glad you got power back on i feel intimidated by dungeon world for some reason i don't think you should frankly yeah if, if y'all are if y'all are interested in dungeon world which once again you should be it's the coolest project i have here on the channel um uh, definitely go check out that brief read-through up above there. I, I posted the link in chat. Um, uh, I will be adding that onto the YouTube description as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a great time. You can just show up and watch, honestly. Like, we've got a bunch of people who just show up to to listen to the story, um, which is super gratifying for me that, you know, I'm telling a story that's totally our own, and some people like to just sit and listen to it. we got a lot of people who show up, and they don't play at all. So you don't have to play to come hang out. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you, if you decide then at some point that you want to jump in, that is Wednesdays at noon Pacific time. Um, <laughs> Shotzi says, lurking in Dungeon World is awesome. I'm glad you've enjoyed it, Shotzi. I'm very glad you've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, basically, you don't really need to know the rules. I think, uh, Tuna has put forward maybe the most encouraging thing I've heard about it so far right now. Um... Uh, but Dungeon World is super easy to play. You say something and Sam tries to make it happen. Yeah, that's kind of my goal. I'm glad it. I'm glad it comes off that way. Like I'm glad. I'm glad it has been. Uh, I'm glad it has worked like that for you. I'm glad it feels like that. But yeah, that's the that's the goal. You kind of just say what you want to do. You don't have to understand the moves necessarily. We'll we'll help you along if you want to jump in and play. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm glad it's been enjoyable for folks. Um, now. We've got to get to our chatter break question because then I'm going to go on a quick five-minute break and we're going to be back with our next chapter for the evening. Um, the question is... I don't know. I, I, I really do like this this question about... Because um, uh, I, I come up with, up with them on the night. I don't write my questions out beforehand um, because I like to see kind of what y'all have been interested in discussing here. Um, and we... I really like this idea of these... Um, 
these unforgivable curses because even though we talked a little bit about them during our last chatter break, I think I want to continue to get a little deeper into that because think about what those are titled, right? They're called they're not called the super bad curses, although that would be a really dumb name for them. But think about what they've been titled, the unforgivable curses. And Harry's now in the midst of trying to do something that for which there is no precedent. You know, no one's ever tried to create more than one Horcrux before, so no one's ever had to hunt down this massive, long list of Horcruxes prior to now. Using this, what do you what do we think is going through Harry's mind? Maybe not right now, but when he gets a chance to actually sit down and take a moment to process what has happened during this, what's going to be going through his mind? Uh, and Leafy Toes is wondering, can you watch? Uh, can you watch after, like Harry Potter, or is it live or nothing? Uh, I post all of them up on YouTube. Um, if you want that, uh, you should be able to find the link over in um, uh, on the Discord. Otherwise, uh, it just goes by. Um, it went by Chat Plays Dungeon World for a long time, but I am just now calling it Recitus Arena um, because it has been so cool. <laughs> That uh, it is likely that there will be multiple Chat Plays Dungeon World uh, adventures. Um, and I can't just call them all Chat Plays Dungeon World, otherwise we get confused with them. Um, but it's some of the most exciting world building I've ever done in my life, and I've done a decent bit of it. Um, uh, Lisa says, I'm sure he's going to be shaking, uh, shaking his head, trying to figure out how the hell they just survived. Um, Okay, let me and let me sort of tune in on the on the Discord side of things as well. This is the scene that I loved with the dragon says MMP. <laughs> go dragon go says Jade. Yeah, they are there were this this has been a very exciting chapter and I think I'm with you. That's part of the reason I didn't make this my my chatter break question. Um I think it's pretty clear it's good to get that dragon out of there. Clearly that thing was being used as a tool rather than like a a living being. Um and yeah, it lived a, a pretty pretty agonizing life. I'm glad to have gotten that thing out of there. But yeah, this imperious curse and the things that Harry has had to do uh, in his life so far, that's that's our question. How is Harry going to be feeling about the things he's had to do for this quest, especially using the imperious curse? There's my question, everyone. I will be back in five minutes, and we're going to do a quick review for anyone joining us late, and then we're going to jump into our next chapter for the night. Thank you all very much for being here. <laughs> Van Saves Lies says, I'm stoked that dragon got free. Yes, as am I. Um... And Marianne, thank you for joining us. I think you're a new name around here. I'm so glad to have you with us. Um, yeah, I'm glad to I'm glad to have you jumping over. Um, you and Brendan, you know, jumping over for your first live stuff tonight. I'm very glad to see y'all. Everyone, have a great night. Um, great break, excuse me. Sorry. Every time I'm preparing to go to this lo-fi screen, I'm just thinking like, all right, that's it. But it's not. It's not. We're back in five. I'm going to run some ads while we're on our break. I'll see y'all in a bit. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. We are back. Welcome. <laughs> I see some bittersweetness in chat regarding, well, we're regarding our positioning, shall we say, in this book, and I want you to know I'm right there with you. I'm feeling the exact same things. Um, uh, it's tough for me to know that we're so close to the end. Um, it is really good for me to know that we've got something coming up soon after. Um, so that is encouraging at the very least. So I'm very happy to hear about that. But I'm very happy to, to, to have that in the back of my mind. Um, but yeah, Hippie, I think I'm right there with you. I think I feel the exact same way. Um, I'm going to have, you know, even an even greater... 
I've always had this since I was a kid. Um, you get that that sort of um, that that kind of melancholy, that almost mourning kind of feeling, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, um, when you finish a book series. And I have been reading this now um, for... Uh, basically, I will have spent three years on this series. I don't know what y'all have been doing for the last three years, but I have been doing this almost every week for... Th I, I will have been doing it for about three years. I'm going to say three years because it's within a couple of months. But, um, yeah, think about where were you three years ago? What were you up to? Because um, for me, my life was pretty different. You know, the, the world was a little different. And having done something like this for such a long time and, you know, it, I spent I spend more time in it than just reading it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I spent hours every week um, getting prepped for these sessions and, you know, sort of like getting to know these books really well. Um, I had the whole prior read through um, wherein I, you know, I, I was reading these out loud to Mama Cass and that came even before you know that that we actually we finished our private read through of this um less than two months ago um and actually hold on let me find the book really quick because i i wrote an inscription when we started that i'm not gonna read the whole thing because that's private but um it's got it includes the date in there Um, like I said, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but, uh, I like to write in books. Um, I think that's, uh, um, I think with the, the sort of what we have available, I think it's a fun way to kind of, um, we can, we can have a philosophical discussion about whether or not it's appropriate to write in books at some later date. But, um, I gave this to her after, I think I found it at a thrift store, um, Christmas of 2016. So... Uh, and at this point, we had already been reading them for a while. Um, it, it's been a long time for me. I've been doing this for a long time. It's going to be very strange to reach the conclusion of something that has been such a consistent point in my life. I do this every week, every year for th every week for three years. That's a long time. <laughs> um, I have met a lot of folks doing this as well. Um, uh, a lot of folks who have been with me for a long time. Uh, and I really appreciate you who have joined up. And then, of course, you new folks like If Hawk, <laughs> who just, just now joined in. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. I'm very glad to have you here. Um, and uh, I want to say to all of you who have been with me for this, for the long journey, for the, uh, or, or whether you've just sort of joined up recently and found your way, um, everyone who's been here for, for any amount of time, thank you for joining me, uh, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. Uh, we have still got, we've still got a while to roll on, though. If you are wondering, if you're sort of discovering this just now, what on earth is this? Who are all these people? <laughs> you're very welcome, Beat. No, no, no problem at all. Um, yeah, donuts—the donut era. Unfortunately, for all of its for all of its upsides, 
Streamlabs OBS has some some limitations on how well I was able to hide those things. So it became kind of a, I don't know, that, that tradition kind of fell by the wayside. And I do miss it. I do miss it. Someone mentioned it last week and I noticed, says Gwyndog. Um, oh, I gotcha. That's all right. No, you didn't all just get very, very bad at playing the game. Um, uh, but the, the thing is, everyone, this is an odd thing we do. And for anyone who's just joining us, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And uh, on Thursday nights, we have this show, Flying Sidecar. Uh, it is a voice actor's venture through some stories that we all love. Uh, right now, we are reading Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and we have just finished Chapter 26. We're going to be rolling into Chapter 27 tonight as well, uh, and I am going to be continuing uh, with this one. It's a shorter chapter than our last one, certainly. Um, our last one was a long chapter. This one's a short chapter, um, so playing on either side of, uh, of uh, average there. Um, now, here's the question. Hawk said, I've been binkling your, what does that mean, your audio on YouTube for a while. I'm assuming that's some sort of like odd website for for uh, downloading audio off of YouTube. But um, yes, I do indeed have a Twitch. Maybe I should try to make that a bit clearer on YouTube. Um, uh, maybe I need to like make my banner that or something. But yeah, I sh binging, I gotcha. Hey, <laughs> gotcha. Thank you, Nasty Hudson. I appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, look, hey, I get it. I've, I've got a phone right now that I'm working with in the interim while I'm trying to get a new one because, hey, I had to send one back. It has been, I've been almost like a month without a phone. Anyway, I gotta get in, I gotta get into the chapter at some point here. Um, everyone, I think it's probably time to get back into it. Uh, one quick thing I will mention is that, yeah, I do indeed have a Twitch. Uh, and if you... Twitch, uh, or anyone else wants to vote on what we're going to be playing tomorrow, because we've got games, uh, I'm going to say, um, vote for as many of these as you want, uh, but I have a channel dedicated to it over in the Discord, here is the link that will take you directly to that specific channel, um, yeah, we're going to be playing some games tomorrow, as we always do on, on, uh, Fridays, uh, at noon we've got our Spout Lore session, which is a great way to sort of get to know the world of Recetus, the, the realm of Recetus, if you're interested, and then at new, at, uh, sorry, 2pm Pacific time, we play some games, head over to that Discord channel and vote, um, if you don't take the link and you just go straight to Discord, it's way up at the very top, it's the Vote Here channel, um, I'll be talking about that again on Discord later. So, everyone, I have blustered for too long. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's talk a quick review of our last chapter, 26. This is the heist. Um, it's quicker than you might expect from a Harry Potter book. Typically, you know, we would spend a couple of chapters on these, but this is a quick one because it all has to happen very quickly. Um, the actual heist itself does. Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Griphook leave the Shell Cottage with Hermione disguised as uh, Bellatrix Lestrange, carrying Bellatrix's wand, and Harry and Griphook are underneath the invisibility cloak while Ron has been sort of changed to look like a, a totally new person, somebody totally invented, uh, Dragomir or something or other. Uh, they head to Diagon Alley, where Hermione has to sort of get her feet under herself very quickly as to trying to play the role of Bellatrix Lestrange, because they're going to use that role to get into Bellatrix Lestrange's vault. Um, they meet some folks along the way, and unfortunately one of them is a Death Eater who knows Bellatrix pretty well, and it would look suspicious not to allow this person, his name is Travers, to accompany them. They've got this suspicious person hanging over their shoulder while they try to get into Gringotts. Um, and they manage to get past the front doors as Harry is able to confound some of the uh, some of the guards there. But then they get to a goblin who seems to know that something is off. 
it actually calls Travers' attention to it as well, and Harry is forced to imperious them both. He is used. This is his first time using this unforgivable curse, um, but they are bent to his will, and uh, they manage to get down into the vault space underneath Gringotts. Um, the there are a couple of challenges under here. First of all, a waterfall that strips them of all of their enchantments, um, including their disguises and all that. And then, and then the big challenge, which is an enormous partially blind chained dragon at the entrance to the vault it, it guards these it looks like about six five or six uh vaults the most special and the deepest down here um and uh they are able to get in where they discover that inside this vault belonging to the lestrange family uh bellatrix uh, bellatrix especially um they are hoping that they know what they're looking for. They think it's probably the cup of Helga Hufflepuff. If it's not, if it's the other one, they don't know what they'll do. But as they get in here, they discover that anything that they touch, any, any of the gold or silver in here that they touch, you know, suits of armor, coins, goblets, etc. Um, Witch Hazel, have a great one. Thank you very much for coming in tonight. I'll see you next week. Um, uh, as, as they explore, they realize any time you touch one of these things, not only does it expand into, it, it, it multiplies into a bunch of different iterations of itself. It says one time they touch a goblet and it turns into 20 goblets, uh, 20 identical goblets. Not only that, but it becomes white hot to the point where it burns through Ron's shoe. That's how hot it is. Um, over the course of a few minutes, they are... They have spotted the cup, and Harry tries to loop it with the sword. He gets it, but they are quickly avalanched in absolutely burning metal. Think about that. Have you ever burned yourself on, like, a metal pan or something as you're cooking? Ooh! Surrounded by this stuff, an avalanche of it. The doors open up. They are burned. They are blistered. And Grip Hook, although Harry's got the cup of Helga Hufflepuff, Grip Hook steals the sword back from them and runs into the crowd of waiting goblins, shouting, Thieves! Thieves! He turned, he turned tail pretty quick on them, um, and it is only by some very quick thinking on Harry's part that they are able to jump on the back of the dragon that is guarding these vaults, free this dragon, and ride its back as it escapes Gringotts, where it has been held for who knows how long. That's our review, everyone. Let's go into our chapter now. This is chapter 27 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Like I said, it's going to be a bit of a shorter one. Thank you all so very much for joining me. And I hope you will continue to join me after this. Because, of course, we've got our beans to brew. Let's go. His name can definitely be Skittles. The dragon's name can definitely be Skittles. I'm fine with this. Ta-da. Oh, ta-da. <laughs> Chapter 27. The Final Hiding Place. There was no means of steering. The dragon could not see where it was going, and Harry knew that if it turned sharply or rolled in midair, it would be impossible to cling to its broad back. Nevertheless, they had climbed higher and higher, London unfurling below them like a grey-green map. Harry's overwhelming feeling was of gratitude for an escape that had seemed impossible. Crouching low over the beast's neck, he clung tight to the metallic scales, and the cool breeze was soothing on his burned and blistered skin, the dragon's wings beating the air like sails a windmill. Behind him, whether from delight or fear he could not tell, Ron kept swearing at the top of his voice, 
and Hermione seemed to be sobbing. After five minutes or so, Harry lost some of his immediate dread that the dragon was going to throw them off, for it seemed intent on nothing but getting as far away from its distant underground prison as possible. But the question of how and when they were going to dismount remained rather frightening. He had no idea how long dragons could fly without landing, nor how this particular dragon, which could barely see, would locate a good place to put down. He glanced around constantly, imagining he could feel his scar prickling. How long would it be before Voldemort knew that they had broken into Lestrange's vault? How soon would the goblins of Gringotts notify Bellatrix? How quickly would they realize what had been taken? And then, when they discovered the golden cup was missing, Voldemort would know at last that they were hunting horcruxes. The dragon seemed to crave cooler and fresher air. It climbed steadily until they were flying through wisps of chilly cloud, and Harry could no longer make out the colored dots that were cars pouring in and out of the capital. On and on they flew. Over countryside parceled out in patches of green and brown, over roads and rivers winding through the landscape like strips of matte and glossy ribbon. What do you reckon that it's looking for? Ron yelled as they flew further and further north. No idea, Harry bellowed back. His hands were numb with the cold, but he did not dare attempt to shift his grip. He had been wondering the same, what they would do when they saw the coast sail beneath them, if the dragon headed for open sea. He was cold and numb, not to mention desperately hungry and thirsty. When, he wondered, had the beast itself last eaten? Surely it would need sustenance before long. And what if, at that point, it realized it had three highly edible humans sitting on its back? The sun slipped lower in the sky, which was turning indigo, and still the dragon flew. Cities and towns gliding out of sight beneath them, its enormous shadow sliding over the earth like a great dark cloud. Every part of Harry ached with the effort of holding on to the dragon's back. Is it my imagination? shouted Ron after a considerable stretch of silence. What are we losing height? Harry looked down and saw the deep green mountains and lakes, coppery in the sunset. The landscape seemed to grow larger and more detailed as he squinted over the side of the dragon, and he wondered whether it had divined the presence of fresh water by the flashes of reflected sunlight. Lower and lower the dragon flew, in great spiraling circles, honing in, it seemed, upon one of the smaller lakes. "'I say we jump when it gets low enough!' Harry called back to the others. "'Straight into the water before it realizes that we're here!' They agreed. Hermione a little faintly, and Harry now saw that the dragon's wide yellow underbelly rippled in the surface of the water. Now! He slithered over the side of the dragon and plummeted feet first toward the surface of the lake. The drop was greater than he had estimated when he hit the water, hard, plunging like a stone into the freezing, green, reed-filled world. He kicked toward the surface and emerged, panting to see enormous ripples emanating in circles from the places where Ron and Hermione had fallen. The dragon did not seem to have noticed anything. It was already fifty feet away, swooping low over the lake to scoop up water in its scarred snout. As Ron and Hermione emerged, spluttering and gasping from the depths of the lake, the dragon flew on, its wings beating hard, 
and landed at last on the distant bank. Harry, Ron, and Hermione struck out for the opposite shore. The lake did not seem too deep, since it was more of a question of fighting their way through the reeds and mud than swimming, and at last they flopped, sodden, panting, and exhausted onto slippery grass. Hermione collapsed, coughing and shuddering. Though Harry could have happily lain down and slept, he staggered to his feet, drew out his wand, and started casting the usual protective spells around them. When he had finished, he joined the others. It was the first time that he had seen them properly since escaping from the vault. Both had angry red burns all over their faces and arms, and their clothing was singed away in places. They were wincing as they dabbed essence of dittany onto their many injuries. Hermione handed Harry the bottle, then pulled out three bottles of pumpkin juice she had brought from Shell Cottage and clean, dry robes for all of them. They changed and then gulped down the juice. Well, on the upside, said Ron finally, who was sitting watching the skin on his hands regrow, we got the whole crooks. On the downside, no sword, said Harry through gritted teeth as he dripped Dittany through the singed hole in his jeans onto the angry burn beneath. No sword, repeated Ron. That double-crossing little scab. Harry pulled the horcrux out of his pocket and his wet jacket, and he set it down on the grass in front of them. Glinting in the sun, it drew their eyes as they swigged their bottles of juice. At least we can't wear it this time. That'd be a bit weird hanging around our necks, said Ron, swiping his mouth on the back of his hand. Hermione looked across the lake to the far bank, where the dragon was still drinking. What'll happen to it? Do you think? She asked. Will it be all right? You sound like Hagrid, said Ron. It's a dragon, Hermione. It can look after itself. It's us that we need to worry about. What do you mean? Well, I don't know how to break this to you, said Ron. But I think that they might have noticed that we broke in the Gringotts. All three of them started to laugh, and once started it was difficult to stop. Harry's ribs ached. He felt lightheaded with hunger, but he soon lay back on the grass beneath the reddening sky and laughed until his throat was raw. What, what, are, we, what, what are we going to do, though? said Hermione finally, hiccuping herself back to seriousness. He'll know, won't he? You know who will know about his horcruxes. He'll know that we know. Maybe they'll be too scared to tell him said Ron hopefully. Maybe they'll try and cover it up. The sky, the smell of lake water, the sound of Ron's voice were extinguished. Pain cleaved Harry's head like a sword stroke. He was standing in a dimly lit room, and a semicircle of wizards faced him, and on the floor at his feet knelt a small, quaking figure. What did you say to me? His voice was high and cold, but fury and fear burned inside him. The one thing he had dreaded. But it could not be true. He could not see how. The goblin was trembling, unable to meet the red eyes high above his. Say it again, murmured Voldemort. 
Say it again. My, my lord, stammered the goblin, its black eyes wide with terror. My lord, we tried to stop them. Imposters, my lord, broke, broke in, into the stranger's vault. Imposters? What imposters? I thought Gringotts had ways of revealing imposters. Who were they? It was, it was the Potter boy and two accomplices. And they took. He said, his voice rising, a terrible fear gripping him. Tell me, what did they take? A small golden cup, my lord. A scream of rage, of denial, left him as if it were a stranger's. He was crazed, frenzied. It could not be true. It was impossible. Nobody had ever known. How was it possible that the boy could have discovered his secret? The Elder Wand slashed through the air, and green light erupted through the room. The kneeling goblin rolled over, dead. The watching wizard scattered before him, terrified. Bellatrix and Lucius Malfoy threw others behind them in their race for the door, and again and again his wand fell. And those who were left were slain. All of them for bringing him this news, for hearing about the Golden Cup. Alone amongst the dead, he stormed up and down, and they passed before him in vision, his treasures, his safeguards, his anchors to immortality. The diary was destroyed, and the cup was stolen. What if? What if? The boy knew about the others. Could he know? Had he already acted? Had he traced more of them? Was Dumbledore the root of this Dumbledore who had always suspected him? Dumbledore, dead on his orders. Dumbledore, whose wand was his now, who had reached out from the ignominy of death through the boy. The boy! But surely if the boy had destroyed any of his horcruxes, he, Lord Voldemort, would have known, would have felt it. He, the greatest wizard of them all, he, the most powerful, he, killer of Dumbledore and how many other worthless, nameless men. How could Lord Voldemort not have known if he himself, most important and precious, had been attacked mutilated. True, he had not felt it when the diary had been destroyed, but he had thought that was because he had no body to feel, being less than ghost. But no, surely the rest were safe. The other horcruxes must be intact. But he must know. He must be sure. He paced the room, kicking aside the goblin's corpse as he passed, and the pictures blurred and burned in his boiling brain. The lake, the shack, and Hogwarts. A modicum of calm cooled his rage now. How could the boy know that he had hidden the ring in the gaunt shack? No one had ever known him to be related to the gaunts. He had hidden the connection 
The killings had never been traced to him. The ring, surely, was safe. And how could the boy or anybody else know about the cave or penetrate its protection? The idea of the locket being stolen was absurd. As for the school, he alone knew where in Hogwarts he had stowed the Horcrux, because he alone had plumbed the deepest secrets of that place. And there was still Nagini, who must remain closer now, no longer sent to do his biddings under his protection. But to be sure, to be utterly sure, he must return to each of his hiding places. He must redouble protection around each of his horcruxes. A job, like the quest for the Elder Wand, that he must undertake alone. Which should he visit first? Which was in the most danger? An old unease flickered inside him. Dumbledore had known his middle name. Dumbledore might have made the connection with the Gaunts. Their abandoned home was perhaps the least secure of his hiding places. That was where he would go first. The lake, surely impossible. Though there was a slight possibility that Dumbledore might have known some of his past misdeeds through the orphanage. And Hogwarts. But he knew that his Horcrux there was safe. It would be impossible for Potter to enter Hogsmeade without detection, let alone the school. Nevertheless, it would be prudent to alert Snape to the fact that the boy might try to re-enter the castle. To tell Snape why the boy might return would be foolish, of course. It had been a grave mistake to trust Bellatrix and Malfoy. Didn't their stupidity and carelessness prove how unwise it was to ever trust? He would visit the gaunt shack first, and then take Nagini with him. He would not be parted from the snake anymore. And he strode from the room, through the hall, and out into the dark garden where the fountain played. He called the snake in parcel tongue, and it slithered out to join him like a long shadow. Harry's eyes flew open as he wrenched himself back to the present. He was lying on the bank of the lake in the setting sun, and Ron and Hermione were looking down at him. Judging by their worried looks and the pounding continuing in his scar, his sudden excursion into Voldemort's mind had not passed unnoticed. He struggled up, shivering, vaguely surprised that he was still wet to his skin and saw the cup lying innocently on the grass before him, and the lake, deep blue shot with gold in the failing sun. He knows. His own voice sounded strange and low after Voldemort's high screams. He knows, and he's going to check where the others are. And the last one... He was already on his feet. It's at Hogwarts. I knew it. I knew it! What? Ron was gaping down at him. Hermione sat up, looking worried. But what did you see? How do you know? I saw him finding out about the cup. I... I was in his head. He's... Harry remembered the killings. He's... Seriously angry. And scared, too. He can't understand how we knew, and he's going to check that the others are safe. The ring first. He knows the Hogwarts one is safest, because Snape is there. 
because it'll be so hard not to be seen getting in. I think he'll check on that one last. But he could still be there within hours. Did you see where the Hogwarts one is? Asked Ron, now scrambling to his feet too. No, he was concentrating on warning Snape. He didn't think about where exactly it was. Wait, wait, wait! Cried Hermione as Ron caught up the Horcrux and Harry pulled out the invisibility cloak again. We can't just go! We haven't got a plan! We need... We need to get going, said Harry firmly. He had been hoping to sleep. Looking forward to getting into the new tent, but that was impossible now. Can you imagine what he's going to do once he realizes that the ring and the locket are gone? What if he moves the Hogwarts Horcrux? It decides that it's not safe enough. But how are you going to get it? We'll go to Hogsmeade, said Harry, and try to work out something once we see what the protection around the school is like. Get under the cloak, Hermione. I want to stick together this time. But we don't really fit. It'll be dark. No one's going to notice our feet. The flapping of enormous wings echoed across the black water. The dragon had drunk its fill and risen into the air. They paused in their preparations to watch it climb higher and higher, now black against the rapidly darkening sky until it vanished over a nearby mountain. Then Hermione walked forward and took her place between the other two. Harry pulled the cloak down as far as it would go, and together they turned on the spot into the crushing darkness. And that is the end of our chapter, folks. Folks, we are in the end game now. Voldemort knows. Voldemort knows they know. <laughs> Everyone, I hope you have enjoyed today. Voldemort knows what they are seeking, and Voldemort is about to go find out that Harry has made a lot more progress than he's anticipating. Voldemort believes he would have felt it. He would have known something was up if he had felt, uh, you know, if, 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 if anything had happened to his other Horcruxes. But we know, we know what's happened to these other Horcruxes. We know that the, the diary's already gone, but Voldemort knew that one. What he doesn't know is that the locket, not only did they find it, but they destroyed it. The ring, they found it, Dumbledore found it, and it has been destroyed already. They have another one. Voldemort knows this, and he's about to find out just how on the ropes he is, and when Voldemort is put up against a wall like this, how is he going to react? You will have to come back next week to find out. Everyone who is watching right now on Twitch and, uh, and Discord, thank you so much for being here. If you're here on YouTube, ideally, as long as things have gone better this week than they have for me last week, which for you, Twitch, is this week. I know it's all confusing. Um, if things have gotten better for me, um, then tomorrow, whatever time this premiered for you, YouTube, uh, come back tomorrow at the exact same time, exactly 24 hours later, and that shall be the time when it is live on Twitch. I hope you'll join me there. You can find the link in the description down below this video. For all of you who are with me live right now, though, here in Discord and in Twitch, thank you very, very much for joining me. Who's with me in Discord? Jade Dragon, Kit Cloud Kicker, Luis Allen, uh, Mamakri, MMP, Muffin Man, Sander, and of course, all of you wonderful folks over here in Twitch chat. Hello. Intikana, Shotzi Red, thank you so much <laughs> for all of your generosity. Uh, and just so we can sort of visualize these, let's brew up some beans, why don't we? Thank you all very, very much for being so generous. I appreciate it a ton. Um, 
And uh, Shanky Shark, thank you so much for subscribing with Prime. Um, a, a reminder to you all, if you have got a, an Amazon Prime subscription, you can subscribe to a Twitch channel for free here on Twitch. Um, and it's a great way to support people for free. You're already, you know, you've already got it with your Amazon Prime. Um, it's a great way to support people who make your week a little bit better. I would say give it to somebody who makes your week better. I don't know who it's going to be. If it's me, fantastic. If it's somebody else, great. Go, go drop that off with somebody. They will definitely appreciate it. Um, and uh, Shotzi, thank you very, very much. And from Iro, the blue-haired monster, thank you. <laughs> Van Saves Lives, thank you so much. Everyone, right now, you might be wondering what this is. <sighs> As I knock all these bits down into our big bits cauldron, we're brewing some beans. Jade Dragon, thank you very, very much. Intikana, y'all are, are rolling with it. Thank you for topping off the cauldron, everyone. This is a tradition we like to do after our Harry Potter streams. Uh, don't forget, stick with me, because after tonight, we are going to be... Um uh, we're going to be raiding over to Mr. Halfbit. He is just on the verge. He's on the verge. He needs like, I think it's like five more followers. Um, so honestly, if you want to, I don't know if he's live right now. Let me let me check if he's live right now. But we are going to be raiding over there later. Um, everyone, I would definitely urge you, um, we just this week were able to get uh, um, our boy Tuna Sunday to affiliate, uh, which is kind of a big deal because that means that folks can now subscribe to his channel in, in addition to just following. And um, you can you can send bits his way, which is fantastic. Um, we just hit that milestone for him, and I would love because uh, I think we could do it tonight. I'm not joking. I think we could do it tonight. I would love to get Mr. Halfbit there as well. Um, but uh, it does not appear he's live yet. He's going to be live once we're done here today. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to send him a message just to make sure that he's ready. Um, uh, but folks, before we head over there, we of course have our tradition. We are brewing. Some Birdie Bots Every Flavor Bean Potions. And Jade Dragon, thank you so much. Intikana, Van Saves Lives. I love y'all for uh, helping to support the stream like this. Um, you are part of the reason why when my phone started to go to hell, like, I can get a phone. Like, you are doing some important things in my life. Um, I want to make that really clear. This isn't just like, <laughs> this isn't like, you know, I'm, you know, I've got myself a, a sweet new, <laughs> I'm not saving up for like a car or anything, although eventually that would be great. Um, uh, no, I, I had something that I needed and y'all have helped me to make that happen. So I am so, so appreciative for that. Um, and I, I was able to get a phone that I am hoping will let me do some more things for the stream. Um, uh, it's going to be much more mobile than my current streaming setup, but I think I can cast the video from the phone to my computer in ways that I have not been able to do with my very old phone before, which would be excellent. So thank you all so much. I've, I'm very much, I'm always thinking about how I can turn it back and bring it, bring that here. Um, so thank you all so much. Um, we are going to do some beans, which means I must now, we need some good way to summon the bean queen, don't we? Like when you go up to a mountain and you're trying to summon a dragon from, from the, the lightning storm above your head. Again, this is some real dungeon world stuff. Uh, if you want to find out how those adventures are going, go ahead and head over to, uh, to this link here. Um, but we need some traditional call to the Bean Queen. Accio Bean Queen. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good option. I think we could we could do a little bit more with it. That's just like summoning her like she's like she's a book or something. I think we need like a good chant or something, don't we? But yeah, you can follow that link to go. Uh, it's over in chat right now to find out more about uh, our campaign there. If you are joining us right now and you don't know what this is, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And if you are looking for some of our past episodes, you can find them on Harry Potter find them on Harry Potter. You can find them on YouTube right here. Um, 
Uh, I've got the, I've just put in the link there. Uh, you can use the HP seven command for uh, the seventh book. And if you're just joining us right now, like, Hey, where do I get started with this? Here's the HP one command that will take you all the way back to my first readings uh, in our, in the first book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. You can go all the way back there. I'm going to warn you audio quality isn't quite as good there, but Hey, maybe we'll do like a combo platter of all these different calls to the bean queen. So, uh, Nitfa, the magic queen. How's that for like a nice brass horn kind of sound? I thought they were virtually indistinguishable. Do you think it worked? I don't hear I don't hear pitter patter of feet. I'm not sure it worked. Soderfish, hey, how's it going? Uh, by the way, everyone, you know how for like the past year or so, all of my streams have been really clear. Um, uh, and I have not like I've had a couple of issues on and off, but you may have noticed that all of a sudden my my sort of streaming issues that would plague us just about every week sort of stopped. Um, I want to say thank you very, very much to Soderfish, um, because Soderfish is uh, a fantastic stream producer, very knowledgeable about streams, um, and uh, helped to get me set up in the way that I am now. Um, I hooked me up with this fantastic PC that has helped me to um, really improve these streams. And so, yeah, we can all give a big thank you to Soderfish. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, bud. Um, all right, I do. I got to go summon the Bean Queen some other way. Here, let me bring this with me, because I'm sure she'll love that. I'll be right back, cause it's time to it's time to brew some from very nasty beans. I'll be right there. I wish he were. I, I wish he thought it was more fun, but he does not like it. I'm sorry he feels that way. I am. I am sorry he feels that way. All right, everyone, we're back. Once again, we are brewing some bad beans. This is a tradition that we like to do after our uh, after our chapters every week. Um, now I don't know what happened here. I had a list of all the folks who had. <laughs> had jumped in uh, to share things. But if you want to add beans to this pile, you can do two things. First of all, Instagram or Twitter. You can uh, head over there and use the the hashtag HPOutloud. Um, if you're doing it on like an Instagram story, it's best if you tag me as well. That way I'll see it because otherwise it can disappear and I will never find out about it. Um, if you do that during the week, remember the deadline is by our first, it's by our break time. It's by halfway between, it's by the, the, the break between chapters. So if you've done it since then, That'll show up next week for you. Um, but also, you can invite a friend in. Uh, and if I see that they're new because they pop up over in my follow feed um, and uh, and they let me know, hey, I'm here with this person, then you can decide, uh, the inviter, uh, who or what kind of bean I, I grab for that week. So let's do this. These are Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans. We have got some good ones and um, the current sort of I think it's been mostly kind of a Deathly Hallows sort of thing. Our Deathly Hallows challenge is that some of them are very, very, very spicy. Uh, which is actually a good reminder. I think I'm going to have to go grab some more water because I think I'm pretty low. And it actually just disappeared. I don't, there it is. Um, so I'm going to go need to grab some more of that. Thank you all very much, by the way. Holly Rose, everyone who I've missed. Intikana, I think, dropped one in. Um, everyone, 
You may continue to uh, to chat in my absence. I'll be back in less than one minute. Uh, the Bean Queen, however, is here. So if you've got any questions for her, go for it. I'm the bean queen and I'm here and I'm not great at stalling like Sam is so enjoy the song my week was fine there was an election and it's fine <laughs> all right Jade, thank you. Jade, I think, is going to brew up the big bean batch. Let's see how the cauldron fares, everyone. There it is. Thank you for... My, my cauldron runneth over. Thank you very much, Jade Dragon. Uh, yeah, not a not a fun election. Um, I just want to say to, to everyone who voted, thank you very, very much. Um, uh, to all of my Republican voters, I am deeply sorry that you had to contend with this. This year, um, I, I, I am really like it is it is deeply, deeply saddening to me that this was your option. Um, so uh, join me, everyone. Push for ranked choice voting. And hopefully we don't have to be locked into this two party system anymore. This is exactly what they didn't want. Pissed them off until we had a two party system. This is exactly what Lin-Manuel Miranda didn't want when he formed this country. Thomas Jefferson. Everyone, thank you very much. Um. Let's continue, shall we? We got some beans to throw down. Um, would you like to? Would you like to don my? Help me don my blindfold, Bean Queen. There's a red thing on it. Your leg. It was part of an old tag. All right, everyone. This is a tradition. Um, uh, basically, to thank everyone who tells folks about the show. So, um, first of all, I'm gonna go through my typical five. Um, but if we have, I think if I think I might switch it over. At the between between books between series that might be a good time to switch between just having the base five and switching to doing it all in the form of people who have done stuff on Twitter and Instagram. I think that's a good way to do it or brought in new people. Um, all right, so we start with just a basic five just to get the, get things warmed up. Miss um, <laughs> Frizzle, yes, that is the most concise way to put it. This is a tradition where we make Sam eat bad beans for entertainment. So here is my here is my invisibility cloak blindfold, which here I'm gonna have to put inside out so that we can't see the. Hold on, what does it look like if it's just? <laughs> I told you it would be great. It's so goofy. So this is a Mike Wazowski T-shirt that she made, but it is green, which means that it's invisible to my uh to my camera. Um. First of all, everyone, I stream Tuesdays through Fridays. Uh, on Tuesdays, or on, on Mondays, rather, uh, I don't stream. I do some interesting stuff, such as um, we are currently working on a project that we're going to record the first episode of this week. Uh, wish us luck. It has to do with comedy and ghosts, and it's called Ghastly, and I do hope you will enjoy it. Uh, of course, I have still got my, my list. I've started to do a bit of recording on my next um, sidecar <laughs> snooze. Huh? You said doo-doo. <laughs> um, uh, I've started to do a bit of recording on our next Sidecar Snooze episode that is going to be uh, a good one uh, I'm, I've really enjoyed all the different sort of um, I don't know the sort of environment that y'all have put together that you want to hear sort of I don't know I've, I've really enjoyed doing the environmental design adding like footsteps and crackling fires and everything and I'm glad that y'all enjoyed that so um, to all of my authors out there, thank you so much. It's got me so hype. I've got all these plans ticking in the back of my mind. Like someday, with enough writers, with enough animators, with enough illustrators, 
we could just go ahead and make our own prequel that follows the the um, uh, Mooney Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs, the Marauders. We could just do it ourselves. Think about it. I like that you say that every time like it's a brand new idea that you just had. No, I'm just still excited about it. This one is, it's peach or mango. It's going to be, I think this is going to be a mango one right here. I'm not as familiar with peach, but I think this one's going to be mango. Final answer. I did it. That's one on the board for your boy. Sammy Chaplin. Here we go. Everyone. We got one on the board. I'm just going to revel in this moment because this is probably going to be my last correct one for the night. Um, Let's continue, shall we? On Tuesdays. And I actually have to do a thing. I have to talk about something random on Mondays because otherwise I lose count. I need to do one for every day, even though I don't stream on on, uh, Mondays. On Tuesdays, we have got Vintage Sidecar. Um, That is a show where we shed some light on classic lit. We are currently rolling through Frankenstein, and I'm super excited. We're about to go into... um, uh, We're about to be finished with that one. Next week is our last week of it. So you can catch that one, actually, Monday and Tuesday of next week. I have to double up because that chapter is extra, extra long, that final chapter of Frankenstein. So be there for our last chapter uh, and for some discussion after that uh, on Tuesday. That is at noon Pacific time on both of those days. At 2 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesdays, we play Harry Potter Minecraft. It's a great mod um, created by a a volunteer group called the Flu Network. Um, And if you would like to know more about that, um, hopefully that will send you there. There we go. Yeah, I got my commands ironed out so I can just throw links at you. Go ahead and check that out there. All right, this bean. There's a bit of a stink to this bean. It's smoky in a way that I'm I'm not super digging. Oh, it's like a coffee bean. And there's only the one coffee bean. Which one is it? I think it's cappuccino. I don't think I think I I think I said latte last time and I think I got goofed. Cappuccino final answer, eh? Chino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chino. That's two on the board for Chaboy. Everyone. I want to thank my fans. I want to thank the Academy. I want to thank everyone who's here. I don't want to thank Miss Frizzle because she's going to put an asterisk on it even though it doesn't belong there. Yeah, the, okay, so the bitterness that's supposed to come of coffee, it's the same thing that they put in the stink bug, I think, to give it sort of a, what? That's supposed to become of coffee. Yeah. That same bitterness comes across in the stink bug beans. So it's not great. Um, not my favorite bean, cappuccino. Two in a row. Let's go. Can I hold on to it? Can I hold on to it? <laughs> oh boy, there's some very tempting political jokes that I'm not going to make. Um, but Wednesdays, chat plays Dungeon World at noon Pacific time. Uh, you may notice that we named our uh, our realm there Recidus, which is sidecar backwards. And it was one of y'all that suggested it. And I don't know who did it, but I love it. Um, Because it's a great fantasy name, and you can use that very same command. Um, This will take you to all of the information you need to know about that campaign, as well as, uh, you know, the old videos, etc. That will bring you there, noon Pacific time, and we play for three or four hours, depending on the day. Now, let's see. Okay, this one's already spicy, and I haven't even bit into it yet. That's not a great sign. Um, Boy, how do I want to do this? I'm just going to keep it all, I'm going to keep it all on the right side. I don't like it. 
I don't like it. It's a pretty hot one. It's got kind of a, oh, it's got like a weird metallic kind of thing going on. Uh, it's very, very spicy though. It's a hot one. That's a hot mama. Or, and by the way, uh, for all of you wondering about the, about uh, Sidecar Sam's history of voice doing, um, I took a lot of inspiration from Jim Carrey movies when I was young. So I'll give you the one that my brother and I used to shout at each other constantly. That's a spicy meatball. Was it a good accent? No, but it was fun. Hmm. Very, very spicy. That's either habanero or, um, that's, that's really up there. I'm going to go with, uh, Caroline. What's the hot one? Carolina Reaper. Is that the super hot one? Uh, screw it. I'll go with it. Yeah. Carolina Reaper. Nice. That's three for three, everyone. We're on a banner week right now. Also, it's supposed to have black spots on it. So I really did not think that was going to be a spicy one. I thought mm. it was going to be like cinnamon or cherry or something. Very sorry. No, I put it in my mouth and it was very spicy. I can tell. No, I know you can. That's <sighs> not my intention, though. And now, instead of going to our Thursday bean, we're going to uh, a fan bean. This one is from Lisa Hall. Thank you very, very much. Um, I appreciate it. Ooh, baby. Mmm. Mmm, 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 mmm. Um, start on the next bean, if you don't mind. And then, well, I'm yammering about it. <laughs> Cool. Um, this is one of the ways that you can add beans to the pile. Oh, good lord, my mouth is on fire. On the right side, though, that was dumb. Um, Every time I do it, <laughs> it's never a good idea. Every time I exhale, it's bad. Um, I am on a roll, though, Maury. So that's how I felt when I bit into a red one that I thought was going to be cherry or cinnamon. Sure. Indeed. Well, I mean, at least I assumed it was coming. Um, if I call you Mori, it just sounds like I'm like addressing Mori Povich. So I'm going to call you Memento because it's much cooler. Um, your your whole name is cool, but phonetically, if I just call you Mori, that's not good. You can add beans to the pile by uh, tweeting or Instagramming about this. I would urge you to use both the HP Out Loud hashtag so I know which show you're talking about and my handle, which is just at Sidecar Stories. That will help me understand which show you're actually watching um, and ensure that I actually see the dang thing. Remember, the deadline for that stuff is by halftime. It's by our halftime show. So if you did it since then, if you've done it like late tonight, that'll show up on the next one. That'll show up for next week. Thank you very much. You're Unfortunately, Lisa, you, um, in your kindness, this is a this is a bean, a protection charm, as we call it, uh, that Lisa casts for me every week over on Twitter by sharing the good word about the show. Unfortunately, I never know what Lisa what Lisa beans taste like because they're always following something very, very spicy. Um, mm. roof of my mouth is terrible. Um, it's like a mild sweetness, but of course it could be like sharp wild raspberry and I wouldn't know because it's just competing with all the spicy. Oh, <coughs> mm. oh my God. Uh, I don't believe it is Soderfish. No. This is Lisa Hall over on, on uh, Twitter. Oh, sweet baby puppies. Um, it's a rough beans night, Tanisha, but I'm winning. I'm on the top. I'm on the top right now. I've guessed them right you so far. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm, I'm terribly, terribly, terribly disappointed because I'm not going to know what Should this bean is. 
Um, no, I think it. I think that's against the rules. I think I gotta guess it on the one bean. And it's like, can I can I remember what it tastes like? Because I can't taste it anymore. I, know, that's I can why just. I want to give you another. I've one. just got spicy milk mouth. <laughs> um, which if everyone anyone's looking for a name to sign up on Twitter with, spiky. Spiky milk mouth. Spiky That's even milk, better. Milk. <laughs> Spiky milk mouth is what I was going to say. Spiky mishmash. Um, oh, baby. Um, I don't know. Dang it. It was like, it was like uh, soft. It was sweet. It might have had a little vanilla to it. So let me go with one of the, I'll go with one of the donuts. Heck with it. Blueberry donut. That's my final answer. Hold on. Is this correct? She's looking at me like I might have been right about it. Mm. Hey. Just because I want you to be four for four, it's technically Krispy Kreme glazed blueberry cake. But it's Krispy Kreme, it's blueberry. I get it. You get it with an I, asterisk. I don't I don't get it with an asterisk. I just get the bean. It's a blueberry donut. It That's what that is. Donut anywhere in the title. Can we, can, if any of y'all can give me evidence that Krispy Kreme has ever sold cakes, then I'll take the asterisk and I will, I'll shut up about it. Otherwise, that's mine. I'm keeping my own count in my heart. I'm not going to listen to these despots. Lisa, thank you. Um, Thank you very much for rescuing me. Holly, I really deeply apologize, but a donut does not equal a She doesn't care. She's sorry like I was sorry when I spooked my cat earlier by honking my favorite horn at him. She ain't really sorry. Don't listen to her. I'm not. She said donut equals cake. Donut donut equals cake? She said that. I thought I said donut does not equal cake. Um, Our next bean, which could be anything. This is for Thursdays. Y'all know what we get up to on Thursdays. Um, Keep in mind uh, a couple of things. First of all... um, after, I think we're going to keep a consistent, I, I, I realize we should keep a consistent schedule for Thursday nights until we're done with this book. I don't want anyone to miss the last few chapters just because we, we wanted to bump to an earlier time. But over the next couple of weeks, um, until, we're done, until we're done with Harry Potter, uh, I'm going to keep a long-term vote up for when we are going to hold Thursday evenings. Um, right now, they're at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Um, I'm not considering moving later. Uh, but assume we take the two and a half to three hours that we do here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask about a couple of starting times that would be an option. It's gonna be either now or I'm gonna start it now, which is 4 p.m. for me, or 3 p.m., 2 p.m., 1 p.m. or noon, somewhere in there. Vote on. I'm gonna have y'all vote on all the times that would sort of work for you. Um, uh, but uh, and if if the answer is keep it where it's at, we'll keep it where it's at. But uh, I'm gonna put that vote up. I'm gonna open that up to everyone, YouTube, all over the place. So keep that in mind. It'll be up there. Um, but I don't feel like I need to go into what we do on Thursdays. It's this sweet, sweet Harry Potter thing, a voice voice actor's venture. <laughs> do some stories we all love, and also he eats some very bad spicy beans. Okay, now let me see. Munch, munch, munch. Crunch, crunch, crunch. It's a little grainy. That's what I got at first. Lunch, 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 lunch. I feel like I'm getting a little bit of like... Folks, what do you think a spicy banana tastes like? Because I'm hoping it's like this. Because I think I gotta go with... Oh no, because that's like a lot of vanilla and like a maybe a tiny bit of like maple kind of flavor. What is that? I, it's a, this is a flavor I know, but I don't remember what it what it is. It's very nice. I enjoyed it a lot. 
I gotta go with I gotta go with um uh it's not caramel corn, I don't think. Unless the spicy is hiding the the sort of like toasted notes. I'm gonna do I can't remember if there's waffles or pancakes. There's one of one of those is on here and I don't know which one it is. Or it's just like maple syrup or something. Mm. But there's like a little bit of banana in there, maybe too. I can't tell. It's a really soft, sweet flavor. I'm gonna go with it's breakfasty, whatever it is. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go to go to pancake. Final answer, I'm going to I'll go with pancake. It's French vanilla. Is it French vanilla? Mm-hmm. Alright. That's one with an asterisk. No way! <laughs> it's definitely not. That's that's a nothing. My streak has been broken. Everyone. Everyone, I'm so sorry to have done this to you. I'm so sorry. I've I've betrayed your trust with this French vanilla. Let's keep rolling on. Um Another thing I want to say here, um, as we go into our Friday bean, and you can go ahead and like you can you can select one while I have to put in this this uh, command really quick. Um, that is the link to the channel where we are holding the vote for what game we're playing tomorrow. So, um, we played a lot of new games over the course of October. I would love to see which ones you want us to revisit. You can vote for as many of them as you like, and you can follow that link. It will take you straight to the channel. If you are just heading to Discord otherwise, you find yourself in there later tonight. Um, I'll give another notification about this in there, but, uh, you can head up to the very top uh, of the channel lists. Uh, Thank you. Um, where you will find the Vote Here channel. That's where the vote's going to be at. And, uh, yeah, you can vote for as many of those games as you would like to see us play tomorrow. Um, and uh, we'll pick the one that y'all like most. So, let's try this next one. That's our Friday Bean. Uh, and then, of course, at noon Pacific time. So, we play games at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Two hours before that, from noon to 2 p- uh, p.m. Pacific, uh, we have our Spout Lore session, which we are doing some of the greatest world building I've ever done in my life. We've got our magical metropolis of Reseda's Towers. We've got a, a magical frontier outside of that. Um, we've got, like, gunslingers who use wands and cowboy witches. Uh, and in the city, we have got uh, you know, magical gangsters. We've just met someone called Boggs the Mountain recently, uh, who is a minotaur gangster who wants uh, one of our characters to do some do some shipping for him. I'm also doing some of the most fun voices over there. I hope y'all will catch up with Dungeon World. It is absolutely my favorite thing I do for this channel. Um... Uh, all right. Let's see if I can handle this bean. Ow. It is not a spicy bean. It is not a spicy bean. Um, uh, it's going to be, it's one of the fruit ones. You know how I am with artificial fruit flavors. Super good at them. I'm going to go with peach. Is it a peach? Final answer, peach. Yes. I did it! Look, this might not be a flawless week, but it's going to be a pretty good one. That is a correct one on the board. And Archer Kid, thank you very much. Archer Kid says, you the man. Archer Kid, I appreciate it a ton. Thank you so much. the <laughs> um, Look at the sidecar at the bottom of the bucket. Yeah, when you... <laughs> When y'all add your subscriptions, um, they are in there as uh, my my sidecar uh, logo, which is super cool. Um, and uh, Archer Kit, I appreciate that a ton. Um, and uh, Muffin Man, J Dragon, Intikana, all you folks, uh, Holly Rose, Van Sage Lives, who have been dropping uh, bro- dropping bits in the big cauldron for me. Thank you so much. That goes to me, and that helps me to uh, you know make the numbers work for me to stream more often. 
Um, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And uh, also everyone who has subscribed and used their free subscription from their Amazon Prime sub, like that is fantastic. Thank you all so much. I think I did just get a, a fruit flavor correct, Courtney. I think I did just do that. He got one right earlier too. He got mango. I think I'm doing now a good job tonight. Mango and peach tonight. Do they still taste the same to you? Not the same, but I can never remember which one is which. <laughs> um, it's like forgetting like the word you're trying to say, which ironically I'm That's very good at. Are. When I've got a flavor, it's like I know what it is, but I couldn't put a name on it, even if it like even if it <laughs> it would save my life. Um, and Archer Kid giving out gifts as well. Archer Kid, thank you so much. Yeah, at the start of every month. <laughs> now that is a well brewed batch right there. You can tell <laughs> you can tell it's been really, really well brewed when it's like half empty by the time the boiling is over with. Um, so thank you for thank you for boiling the cauldron over Archer Kid. I appreciate it a ton. Um, yeah, there's a tick at the uh, at the start of every month where uh, it's got to remind folks that that people have to uh, re up their subscriptions if you're doing it via Amazon. Uh, and everyone who has done that, thank you so much. All right, those are our weekly beans. Now uh, we have also done one for Lisa Hall. I appreciate it a ton. Um, yeah, possibly. Uh, let's see. Did I do it here? No, it was right here someplace. Here. Nope. Oh, here it is. I put it at the end of the, the next chapter. Okay, so uh, everyone, uh, we've got one for Lisa Hall already done. Lisa, thank you so much. We've also got Ashmore um, and Mood Swing uh, from over on Twitter. So uh, Ashmore, Mood Swing over on Twitter, and then Out of Yarn, who is Book and Hook on here, um, and Abby P. <laughs> that's a new one uh abby i don't know what you go by here on uh here on twitch i that's not a name i recognize here um but uh whichever one of you pops in first i'm gonna i'm gonna stop looking at chat uh but whichever one of you pops in first you can go ahead and let the bean queen know she's keeping an eye on chat what bean what sort of specifications you might have for your bean um and she will she will do her best to deliver she's done a pretty excellent job so far of course as per usual lisa thank you for every single week jumping in and uh <laughs> uh and not only for creating a twitter account just just to help promote the show but also um to we're good we're good um and also to uh for, for promoting this every single week um same with Out of Yarn, who actually, I think Out of Yarn is like my best, ah, thank you, uh, my best uh, Instagram mouthpiece. Out of Yarn has just been going crazy for it over on Instagram for months, so thank you all very much. Ooh, this is like a, I haven't even been into it yet. This is super sour. This is like lemon or something. Lemon? Lime? No! Now it's like a, okay, sorry, here, I'll just go this way. Now it's giving me like a, like a hunt, oh, de definitely green apple, 100%. Green apple, an easy one. Fortunately, green apple does not taste like much else. All that sour hit me up front, so I was like, that's probably lemon, sure but. it's not sour apple? I'm, no. It's also green. I'm pretty sure it's green apple, though. They got green apple and sour apple? They're both green. Well, how the how the heck am I? How the heck? How <laughs> the heck am I supposed to how know? How the how the deuce? Honestly, I do think it was sour apple, but whatever. It might have been sour apple. Can I get a one with the asterisk for it? Are you gonna smell it and find out? <laughs> Will you eat this? 
I know it's not yeah. spicy. It's not spicy at all. It's not spicy. Munch, munch, munch. That's sour apple. Does that taste the same as the other one? Mm-hmm. That's definitely sour apple. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. If there's green apple and sour apple and they're both green. Well, I do think... Horse apples. That's I what mean, they both are. They're, yeah, they're both horse apples as far as I'm concerned. Apple, sour apple, I think. Eh, whatever they are. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't give a good, good gosh darn. Everyone, that was for... Who was that one for? Uh, mood Swing. Mood Swing. Mood Swing, thank you very much. And thank you for hanging out. I know you've been sort of dragged into this in a way. Uh, I appreciate you saying, you know what? I can chill here. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is unheard of accuracy from Sam, says Van Saves Lives. And you are absolutely correct. Um, it's definitely sour apple. Look, side I thought... Side by side, 100% it's sour apple. All green apples I've had are sour. I don't, think, I don't think I technically look, get man, that one, but... I'm with you, but... Oh. 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 Mood Swing says he should get it. Mood swing, let it be known. I tried. I tried to give myself points for that. She wouldn't let me. <laughs> All right. Next one up. Um, Ashmore, out of yarn, uh, slash book and hook, or uh, Abby, if y'all are here, uh, go ahead and drop them in. Otherwise, uh, I think I'll just do... Um, here, I gotta look away. I'm not sure if Ashmore's here anymore. I think Ashmore was in a bit earlier. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ashmore said, what was it? What new emotion will I feel today? I hope you have felt something new this week, Ashmore. Um, that is always my goal, to make people feel new things. That's why, honestly, that's why I started the channel. That's why I dedicated a whole Twitch channel to telling stories, which, frankly, is not Twitch's thing. Um, uh, I appreciate all of y'all so, so, so very much for saying, yeah, this is kind of unconventional, but I'm into it. Thank you all so much for joining me. Right. Um, We're just going to go for it. We're just going to go for it? Yeah. And then if one of y'all pop in, then we'll say that, that the this one is for the other one. But this one goes out to my my uh, Twitter and Instagram folks. Thank you so very much. Uh, go ahead. This will be for Ashmore, I suppose. Unless they show up. I think Ashmore's the most likely to be here of the okay, two of them. Be for Abby P, then. Yeah, Abby, this one's for you. Sure. Thank you very, very much. It's going to be, we got to go in blind. Nobody knows what it is. Well, I guess. I do. Cast, well, I mean, even then, though. You, you know what color it is? You know what color it is? I I'm going to I'm going to start like a change.org petition that says that they need to be more careful about what color they're making their beans cuz I know for a fact I've had miscolored beans before. All right. All right. Now. Book and hook, I do see ya. Go ahead and put that in. Okay, perfect. Here we go. Abby, let's find out what you brought for us today. Mmm. It's that same it's like a bunch of maple again. Mmm. But last time that that turned out to be French vanilla that I, I was saying was maple, wasn't it? That was the French vanilla one earlier today. Another sub for Book and Hook. Way to go, Archer Kid. Archer Kid, thank you so much. Archer Kid is is um. You look. You look. I'm looking at this. I have not seen anything. Promise. Okay. Cross my heart. Hope to eat a spicy bean. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. Is there any chocolate in there? No, it's just like a maple kind of thing. I can't remember if it's pancakes or waffles. <laughs> is it pancakes or is it waffles or is it just syrup? What is it? I'm going to go with... Uh, I want to say maple donut, but I don't think that's it. I'm going to go with... Whoa, 
pancakes! Pancakes, final answer, pancakes. Uh, it's maple syrup. It's just maple syrup. I need your help. Chat, I need your help next time. I'm gonna need your help. Next time I say maple syrup, and I'm waffling back and forth between waffles and pancakes. You don't get to look at chat, though. When I'm chat pancaking back and forth. You. I need you to, I need you to, I need you to create a cheating. distraction. I need you to create a distraction. You're already cheating. You already know what you want. They want. I don't. I need you to create a distraction and get, get the bean queen out of here so that you can tell me it's not pancake, it's not waffles, it's just maple syrup. Just go with it. Just go with it. It was maple syrup, though? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, who's this one for? Uh, Book and Hook. Book and uh, Hook. Thank you so very much. Once again, y'all, you have been um, just fantastic for me over on Instagram. Like, you have been a fantastic fan of the show. I appreciate it so much. Um, and uh, for anyone joining us very, very late, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And right now we're doing Bad Beans, where I eat some Birdie Bots Every Flavor beans, some of which are just incredibly spicy. And I try to guess what every one of them is. Okay, this is the absolute best that I can do. <laughs> Is the best that I've got. Oh no. Okay, so I guess that means that I'm not necessarily suspecting a very, very hot one. So let's find out. Munch, munch, munch. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Ow. It's got like a very grassy flavor to it, like a green pepper a little bit. And then some, I think this is an old bad bean. I think this is an old, from the old batch of bad bean. I think this is a booger. <laughs> I think this is a booger. I think this right here, this though, I think this is like a booger or earthworm or something. It's not good. I don't like it. Although there was that one that was supposed to be a good flavor. What was that? Because I thought we'd be all out of like earthworms and, and boogers at this point. Mm, yeah, uh, uh, uh. I don't like it. Straight up just gave him a booger. It, <laughs> Not even a bean. <laughs> it's gotta, it's gonna be, I'm gonna go with earthworm, I think. Final answer. It is unfortunately Dirty Dishwasher. She requested. They requested birthday cake, and they don't have a birthday cake flavor in here, so I had to hunt and see. If I see. One, and that's the only one left. And it does look, it was designed to look like yeah. birthday cake. Well, you <laughs> tried, and I appreciate that much. I appreciate it a ton. What just happened here? Instead of birthday cake, you got dishwasher. I deeply apologize for mm -hmm. the but I really did try. <laughs> That is oh. the only one left. Wash down the dishwasher with a bit of milk. That was a bad call. All right. <laughs> How did you do that? Uh, Ew. I thought it was water. <laughs> um, okay, everyone, our final bean of the night. I'm at uh, six with an asterisk out of nine. I'm going to be pretty happy with that, even if I miss this one, honestly. Um, uh, but Ashmore, thank you very much. Ashmore, if you are here, you can go ahead and let us know uh, what sort of bean you're looking for. If not, I would say... Uh, I am going to, uh, I'll do a, a, our final announcement. We are going to raid over to Mr. Halfbit's channel. Mr. Halfbit is another story streamer like me, um, who really enjoys telling stories. He is a talented storyteller. Y'all have seen him. Uh, he was our, 
sort of MC uh, in RPGs. They're called GMs. Um, he was our GM for Saturday. Um, <laughs> Indigana, you, you made it for the whole stream. I'm very glad that you've been here the whole time. Thank you so, so much for your generosity, but also just for being here. Thank you all so much for, for jumping in. I hope that you will do the same for Mr. Halfbit. We just got Tuna Sunday here this week. Tuna Sunday is officially a Twitch affiliate. He has caught up with me. Mr. Halfbit, cool. Mr. Halfbit is um, on the verge. Mr. Halfbit is just a few uh, follows away. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Once we head over there, I'm gonna do uh, this thing called a raid, which is gonna just gonna take us straight from here over to there. Go give him a follow. I want to see that button just, I want to see that number just shoot up for Mr. Halfbit. We can get him there. If you aren't like, if you're not super into, you know, the various things that we do differently on our different channels, that's fine. But we can get Mr. Halfbit there. I think we can do it tonight. So we're going to raid over there in just a moment. I want you to join me there. I want you to hit that follow button for him. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I do genuinely think you will Surprise. like you will like his channel. It has been a, uh, he's been doing some some really story-based games. Uh, and like I said, this is a channel where we appreciate stories in all media. And I think some of the greatest stories being told right now are told in games. Um, people are finding all sorts of ways to tell stories. And, and Mr. Halfbit's another person who appreciates that in a great way. So thank you so much uh, for everyone who helped us get Tuna Sunday there. Tuna Sunday is now an uh, uh, officially a Twitch affiliate. Let's get Halfbit there tonight. Let's find out about this final bean. Munch. Now, was this an actual request? I, no. no. I reached in probably four times and pulled out the same color. So gotcha. It's destiny. This one is really sweet. It's like there's some chocolate in there, I think. I think this one's going to be that chocolate pudding or what else could it be? No, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of toasty in there. <laughs> I didn't get it off the floor, but there was a cat hair on it. I pulled it off before I put it in his mouth. This straight up tastes like a Tootsie Roll. I'm going chocolate pudding. Final answer. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes! Everyone, that is not a bad record for the week. Thank you all so, so much for being here. Addy, thank you so much. I hope you have a great week as well. Um, here, let me, can I, Can you bump the, the bucket off to the side so I can see what oh. Discord is up to as well? Um, oh no, what if Ashmore was over here? Um, it does not look like it. I think we're good. Um, by the way, Nasty Hudson, I love your, I love your, uh, profile picture over on Discord. Um, folks, I hope you have a fantastic week. I thought we did have a pretty great stream tonight. Van Saves Lives, thank you so much. And now, let's go, and can we do it? Can we do two in one week? Two new affiliates in one week. Let's make this thing happen. Um, Cloud Kicker, uh, don't worry. He'll be back to being terrible next week. Oh, absolutely. He does not need new beans yet. Yeah, I don't... I <laughs> <laughs> We might need more bad beans to add to the add to the pot, but everyone, we are now going to raid over to Mr. Halfbit. Like I said, I want to go in there, and I want to see that number just explode. I've l I have loved doing this for you all. Like I said, it's been three excellent years. Thank you all so much for joining me this week, and uh, I will see y'all in the Discord later on. Bye-bye, folks. Thanks, y'all. Tell, tell Mr. Halfbit who sent ya. It gives him a notification. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> and that means that we're all alone here now. It's just you and me, Discord. I love y'all.
I hope you're doing great. Let's see what the vote looks like for tomorrow. Uh, got a lot of people who want to see Don't Starve and a lot who want to see Spooky's Jump Scare Mansion. Uh, not a lot of interest in my summer car, which is interesting. Oh, oh. 10 for Phasmophobia. Okay, okay. I'll have to let YouTube know about it as well. That's it for me, folks. Have a great night. Bye-bye.